I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And my word, Michael, we're back. We're back, but also we're nearly gone. (laughs) We are back. (laughs) We're nearly gone. Just like that. I hope you haven't missed us too much, but whether you've missed us whether you've loved not hearing from us, whether you just didn't even notice we were gone, you can still call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. And whenever Friday happens, I'll be there, and so too will Michael Hamlet. Unless, of course, we're on hiatus, which <laughs> never, <laughs> ever happens with this podcast. Right, Michael? <laughs> never known it. Never known such a thing. Never known it to happen. But hey, if you have stuck around all this time and you're enjoying us being back, you can also give this podcast a follow at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. Or if you'd like to, you can follow either of your hosts. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. We would love you to subscribe to this podcast, even though it is soon to come to an end. Um, you can go back and you can catch up with uh, the entire back catalogue. If this is your first one, oh my God, please do that right now. Massive, massive spoilers ahead on this spoiler-free podcast. But you can do so through Apple Podcasts, um, where you can subscribe or follow. On Spotify, where you can follow us. On all the sort of other usual typical podcast apps, as well as on Acast, where you can subscribe or you can stream it through the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. A link will go up every Friday. You can access it through there. And on any of those apps, and indeed on any of the sort of other places that you get your podcasts, if you can leave us a five star review, we would love it if you did. This will be the last time we get to ask this on a podcast with the promise of getting your name read out on a future episode. Um, there will be one more inductee into the Hollywood Talk of Fame this week for their five-star review, but we promise we will get through every one of them five-star reviews on our Podcast Horseman grand finale next week. You have but seven days to get your name read out on this podcast. So if you want to leave us a review, that would be great. Let's fool those algorithms while we still can get more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse um, and speaking of talking horse just before we move on to the podcast at large i would like to uh humbly apologize to our listenership thank you very much for being very patient you will note that we uh wrapped up season six just before christmas and we gave out a couple of dates and deadlines and things for your diary about us wrapping this podcast up as 2021 came to a close it wasn't to be um my children both got covid my wife and i both had to isolate with them everybody is well 
everybody is healthy. But between that and then the big barrage of things to do at that time of year, we thought we'd take a break properly so we could come back in fit and fighting and ready to go to end this podcast on a high. So thank you, everybody, sincerely for, first of all, your nice wishes and your nice comments over social media and things like that. And also for your patience. We do appreciate that. We have tried whenever possible to uh, keep the train on the tracks with Podcast Horseman, despite, bizarrely, the many things the world has thrown at us for the virtual duration of this thing, of which we're looking forward to dissecting in uh, next week's show, this uh, this sort of two-year journey. But yes, hopefully that was the last of those. And uh, I don't want to almost promise dates anymore, but podcast coming this week, podcast coming next week, and then we are out of here. Well, I was just about to say, I feel like we've reached a point where maybe we'll just end up with a hiatus mid-episode. <laughs> we just—I mean, no spoilers. This is a spoiler-free no. podcast, so if we do get about fifteen minutes into this podcast, and then we just disappear, <laughs> I feel it. like that's the only new way we could surprise everybody and make their lives a little bit worse with our mm-hmm. absence. Assuming, of course, that you're even here because you like it. Maybe you're just liking, yeah, <laughs> torture yourself for a few hours at a time. But nevertheless, it is nice to be back. We're glad everybody's mm. fit. And healthy and while michael was doing all that i was just in a resting cocoon i just wrapped myself into a cocoon for what nearly a month now and i've only just come out this morning and i was told it was time to record a podcast again so that's good <laughs> that's, that's um, what you live for i feel refreshed i feel revitalized <laughs> it's what i go to school for some people might have even said um but yeah it, i will be honest it feels like ages it feels it like a long time we got so emotionally involved and ready for like the end and then yeah. typically, as another stupid piece of shit year rolled by, 2021 mm-hmm. had other plans and decided to cancel us out. However, although we've, you know, some negatives have happened there, I think we can all agree, and some positives, positives that resulted in some real negatives, there is actually an end game positive that has come from this, Michael. Mm-hmm. Because we are going to end up finishing this podcast. Touching all wood, but not in a creepy way. You know what I mean? In the same kind of way. We have this episode today, which is Friday the 21st. And next week's episode will be Friday the 28th of January, which I'm going to give us because it is a Friday and it is the last Friday that we'll ever do it. It will actually be technically two years, almost to the day since we started this podcast on Friday the 28th, because if you remember rightly, all those years, two years ago, we started. Was it just two? <laughs> just the two. Just the two worst years of experience. In the whole life. <laughs> uh, we started Podcast Horseman on the 31st of January 2020, of course, when the actual show ended, mm-hmm. all the final episodes aired. It's all it's all come full circle. So, yes, it's been a stupid piece of shit, yeah, but maybe it's going to be all right. Who knows? It's- I love this because it does imply that we've, this was like a synergistic attempt on our part yeah. to just pull this all together very nicely. Not least as we're discussing our season six recap today, where one thing ended, another thing can begin and so on and so forth. It's totally, but it's nice how it's worked out for us. Hey, it looks, look, it looks I, really neat on people's podcast feeds, doesn't it? It, looks it really is neat. what it is. And it's going to look really nice on people's podcast feeds. So, hey, yeah. you are welcome. World, <laughs> Thanks. COVID. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You don't get the credit you deserve, I guess. <laughs> no, like genuinely COVID, and I hope you're all staying safe and you're all <laughs> um, But let's start this recap, shall we, now that we've we all caught up and we're all back 
in the swing of things. Like I say, I feel a bit rusty, but it's okay. We're good. I think we're good. Let's uh, let's pursue. Normally, of course, we would hit you with the synopsis for this week's episode, but there isn't one because it's the season six recap where we go through the entire season, all the characters from the season, and talk about where they started, where they ended, all the things that have kind of happened that were of note inside their lives within the show. And then and I've heard rumours, despite all the uh, the negativity that's been going on, we might also have a bunch of horsing around to do at some point where we go through yes, every yes. episode and I had the painstaking task of choosing what the funniest, most memorable or just personal favourite of the horsing around sections from each episode were and we've wrapped them up into a nice bunch for you at the end of the season as we always do. So with that said, Michael, do we need to say anything else before I hand it over to you and you get us on back on the horse? I think we're good to go. I'm ready to get back on the horse. I am very excited. That's always one of my favourite bits of every season is your rundown of the uh, the best horse in the rounds. I would say it's all killer, no filler, but that feels a bit inappropriate on season six. feels a bit yes. cruel, that kind of language. Um, and all seasons, where, truth be told. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and where better so to start with, I the character Bojack Horseman himself um, because he was looking for a better start at the start of season six. Diane had dropped him at rehab uh, at the end of season five and he checked into uh, pastiches. He he was dealing with things, um, to put it succinctly. He was uh, combating his obviously his problems with drugs and alcohol. He was after a bit of forcefulness from the staff at Pastiches. He was dealing um, with the physical and mental anguish that he put his body through all of those years. He was starting to talk to his problems. He was trying ultimately to acknowledge that he had problems in the first place. Naturally, it being Bojack Horseman, things had to derail ever so slightly. Um, he didn't want to leave rehab at first. He'd become so comfortable being in that cocoon, to use a word from earlier in this podcast, and the sort of the safety that that provided that he didn't want to go. Um, and his exit brought about the uh, the doom of a character we'd come to know, Dr. Champ. It was a, um, a therapy horse, and that matters, um, who had done the sort of therapy with Bojack all the way through the show. They'd developed a relationship based on, obviously, supreme trust, as well you can imagine from their long-form conversations. However, Dr. Champ was not a real doctor. And over the course of them getting extremely pissed together, not only was he not a real doctor, he also too admitted that he had been, and well, and is an alcoholic and was in rehab, dealing with demons in his own and keeping his own train on the track and all that sort of thing. Um, ultimately, that ended as well as you might expect for Dr. Champ and Bojack. He, Bojack, despite cleaning himself up, made another enemy for life when Dr. Champ's life fell apart. But as is always the way for Bojack, as a life falls apart in his wake, a window of opportunity opens up for him. It's always the way he gets to brush past yet another human life that he has destroyed for an opportunity to make his better. In this case, it is an offer to become a teacher at Wesleyan University, the, uh, the university that Hollyhock will go to. It's going to be doing acting classes um, with a bunch of students. They're obviously pretty excited to have a television and film star of his magnitude, not least one that is clean and has physically tried to clean himself up. And as this season is split into two halves, this feels like a nice point to take a quick break. Um, we'll cover the second half of the season shortly, but... What was your feeling, if you can remember, I guess, not just from these reviews, but living through it at the time, after that first batch of episodes? Because it would be remiss of me not to mention at this point that just when all seemed extremely well, we ended not with a Bojack detail, but with a Hollyhock one. She's at a house party in New York City. She's a little bit rattled and she's a little bit nervous and borders on having a panic attack before somebody very kindly takes her out on the balcony to calm her down. We learn through the course of 
just a tremendous drip-fed reveal that this is Pete Repeat, of course, the once young lad that went to the um, the prom with Bojack. Their mate was left for dead outside of the hospital because of over-consuming booze and drugs and all that sort of thing. This horrible experience that Hollyhock learns about um, gives us the kind of dramatic irony cliffhanger leading us into the second half of the season, just when all seems right as rain with Bojack. What were your sort of reflections and takeaways from this half of the season? Well, I couldn't stop thinking there when you say that one door closes and a window of opportunity opens. And imagining Bojack saying to the person who opened the window, you know, if you got all those bedsheets and tie them together, you can actually, <laughs> actually put them out of that window and climb down to your freedom, as was a repeat gag, a repeat gag, you might even say, during <laughs> the first half of this season. I can't remember if it filtered through to the second half, but it certainly was present in the first. Um, yeah, obviously when we first meet Bojack in this season, not... He's actually not in a great place, obviously, as you can imagine. Uh, and he's not really having a great time with rehab either because, to some extent, he's not really accepted it, has he? He's gone there to try and improve his life but hasn't really embraced it. And that first episode in particular, he is suffering, whether it's physically <laughs> or mentally. He's not having the best time at all. And he doesn't really seem to be taken in. But, of course, he's, uh, you know, as he starts to go, it develops. And I would, dare I even say, Michael, despite the fact he does have a few... Hiccups along the way, I think it's fair to say. His intentions are good. Mm. Oh, Lord, please don't let him be misunderstood, Michael, because he's trying his best, but little things keep happening. Although you would say within those first episodes, it's notable that even though he ends up in these mad scenarios, he still makes the right choices and good choices and ones that aren't necessarily self-destructive. And the tendencies seem to be slowly disappearing. And by the time we do get that point at what is it, season eight, where we have the, the that's the breakup point of this episode. We do get the wonderful season seven, which I continue to stand by, is one of my favourite episodes of this show, purely because it offers you all the things this show never, ever gives you, which is like, yeah, he has a bunch of nice moments involving Bojack Horseman and some sort of tying up of moments that we felt have been coming probably for, you know, six seasons at this point, uh, to just lull you into that false sense of security where... Maybe things are going to be all right for this stupid piece of shit talking horse, Michael. But of course, that's not how Bojack Horseman works at all, is it? And despite the fact we see in an episode where he literally, for the what might be the first time ever, affects everybody in his, I don't want to call him his entourage at this point because there's mm. some real fractured relationships, but all the characters we know to have been his closest friends, he rightly or wrongly, I think, ends up having an impact in a positive way on every single one of their lives, which is really this amazing episode. It really, truly gives us so much. There's so much change that happens in the episode, whether it's uh, thematically, whether it's uh, mentally, physically for some of the characters. It really does feel like that kind of Hollywood, Hollywood movie kind of moment where it's all nice and neat, only to be undone, Michael, by episode eight, which is the secret episode 11 oh. of this season with another episode 11 in the weeks. <laughs> uh, yes, really great that they remind you very quickly. But here's what's really been going on while Bojack's been fixing himself, because just because he's sorting himself out doesn't mean he hasn't left the damage. It's a world-class um, rug pull in television terms, that episode seven, episode eight, one-two punch. Um, the face of depression episode seven where he as you say he's kind of he's not just going right and wrongs he's actually going and improving lives he's realized that with his 
um, with the fortune he's had in his life, not just financial, but the good luck he's had and the, the ways in which he's been able, he's been given all these extra opportunities. He goes and he fixes things. He tries to make things better. He tries to reconnect. And yet again, and how many times has Bojack, the whole, Bojack Horseman, the show, done this? Um, because you get sucked into viewing things strictly with the blinkers on, as we've always said, through his view, that you forget that this show takes real life incredibly seriously. So in episode seven, it's all about everything through Bojack's lens. I'll fix this, check, I'll fix this, check, I'll fix this, check. And you go to bed that night thinking, good old Bojack, this is really going to work out fine. And then episode eight is like, no, no, this is Bojack Horseman. There are years, there are decades of hurt. That yeah. one quick that one quick drive-by cannot heal. And you get them thrust upon you one after another after another in the episode, a quick one while he's away. It's, it's just, it's masterful. And what's so great is that that being the cliffhanger into part two of the season gives you one last, um, I don't know, I guess that one last bit of freedom for the Bojack character, which is in episode nine, the first episode of part two, where he gets to live what he believes to be his best life before it all comes crashing down at the very end. He um he teaches um it's an intermediate scene study with Bojack Horseman. He's kind of as a acting professor, he um starts to teach the various students the ways of the acting world, all building up to uh, a play at the end they're going to perform and it's the first point obviously at this in this uh second half of the season where we see the entourage as you put it the other characters attending as guests of the play so we know that at very least those relationships that he tried to heal are still in place because they've all attended the show they've all come mm. we see diane talking to todd and there's a i think there's a little throwaway line like oh how have you been but we're not yet permitted to learn about what's mm. been going on in their lives since bojack's been doing this teaching but most importantly of all that comes to a, a bitter bitter end when uh, bojack gets a call um all the way from new mexico it's charlotte on the phone she's uh furious with bojack and there's been some reporters sniffing around her sniffing around penny wanting to know what happened on that fateful night uh again the kind of thing that we had all been led to believe was just out of bojack's life because he'd mentally dealt with that just because he'd mentally flicked that switch we'd been allowed to do that too but no it was coming back and it was coming like the force uh, and this feels like a good opportunity to bring in maximilian and page our intrepid what, turn of the century Edwardian reporters that for some <laughs> reason live in 2020 Hollywood. Um, they're the ones put on this uh, this mission to find out what really happened, not with Bojack specifically, but with the death of Sarah Lynn. Uh, we get several episodes of their wacky misadventures that just actually happened to lead to a series of fairly solid conclusions. Again, it's quite nice of Bojack to use these theoretically very silly characters to deal with serious storyline implications and they do indeed get to these final destinations meanwhile obviously bojack is um starting to realize that a reckoning is coming and um, the phone call gives him a panic attack it brings todd and diane and uh, princess carolyn back into his life and we get this incredible um episode where finally bojack is not permitted to tick things off like the checklist that we described in episode seven but indeed one by one relive every bad thing he's ever done and submit it to this uh i think it's his a uh, whiteboard in his uh, a double-sided whiteboard in his multiple multiple yeah, boards in his room just multiple boards of all these incidents and all these tiny various infractions that he's committed on you know things that we've seen things that we haven't it's really quite remarkable and everybody in the room gets to hear them. So for the first time ever, everybody is clued in on everything. 
everybody like us knows and sees the like Bojack for who he is. Um, one by one, the characters all sort of disappear from the room, and indeed, briefly from his life. Um, and Bojack is left kind of only really with the support of Princess Carolyn. Um, he's invited onto Biscuits Braxby's show because the Sarah Lynn story has exploded in a way that is not exactly shining him in a very favourable light. Um, but he remembers obviously how beneficial that place was when he was doing the interview course with Gina he got away with strangling her thanks in part to that interview with the two of them on Biscuits Braxby so they sit down again and again it goes well for him it goes almost too well he comes away having made himself not so much the victim but a survivor of his own problems of his own ills and it kind of undermines all the other things that have happened to other people but people see Bojack as a, a fallen icon, a flawed hero. They see the goodness of somebody trying to heal rather than the crimes that he's trying to heal from. It goes so well, he goes back for round two. In that time, Biscuits is given all the key information from Max and Paige's investigation because Paige herself is particularly determined to not let Bojack be just another Hollywood man to get away with all these Hollywood ills. And it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. Biscuits suddenly turns gotcha journalist, come police investigator. She absolutely hammers him in the second attempt. Princess Carolyn can't help him from a distance. None of his friends are left there anymore. And of course, Sarah Lynn's death is a criminal investigation. So it goes not just badly from Bojack from a perception point of view, but from an imprisoned point of view. He is obviously sentenced to do time as a result of uh, leaving Sarah Lynn to die. There are various other, you know, small and large crimes, but they were able to pin him down at very least for the criminal damage that he underwent when revisiting his old house that he was forced to sell due to the debt that he'd amassed. Um, he goes back to the house for one last night after reaching, after sort of having one night with Angela Diaz, the woman who threatened him with Herb's sacking if Bojack didn't play ball back in the uh, the horse and around days. Uh, it turns out that he didn't need to hang Herb out to dry. Angela was kind of just hitting him with empty threats. Bojack can't really take this. The two of them, well, get pissed round at her house as Bojack badly relapses with this bottle of what we believe to be water that is proven to be vodka that he's been clinging onto as a crutch all of this time. Uh, so he goes back to his old house to watch some DVDs of horsing around to relive the last great moments and he just can't take it. So having broken into the house following this um, toxic exchange with Angela Diaz, um, he is sat watching the DVDs, drinking his life away. He looks at an old audition tape on a, on a Blu-ray, an extra that features uh, Herb Kazaz, kind of being the one to coax out any performance at all from Bojack. Bojack is in that room. And, you know, for the want of a better phrase, to paraphrase the great John Hamm, he might as well have shit his pants in there. It's going that badly. But uh, but Herb gets this good audition out of him. He gets him good enough to do horsing around. And, of course, without Herb, Bojack doesn't have any of this. That, plus his spiralling depression, leads to what we think could be his death. He... Uh, his, his death is teased and we get the view from halfway down. Uh, a classic quintessential Bojack episode, the penultimate episode, the third episode 11 in season six. It gives you a hat trick of depressing scenes. This is, of course, the one. Please go back and listen to the full review because a recap summary really won't do justice. But it is him living through his last regrets with the people he may or may not have affected most. The, uh, the, concept, the very concept of death, the very concept of the afterlife, the very concept of heaven, of hell of the experiences and what you do in life and what you contribute before it's all over. Um, we assume this to be the end of Bojack, but in fact, the finale reveals that he'd simply gone to prison for the breaking and entering into his old home. 
Could have gone down for a lot worse, but instead he's just gone down for a moderate amount of time for moderate crimes. He has survived uh, the near-death experience, the uh, the suicide attempt, as it were. Uh, and we see that he's going to reconnect with the characters for one last time. We're not quite sure where it's going to be at first. Mr. Peanut Butter gets him out of prison and takes him to Princess Carolyn's wedding. More on that a little bit later, of course. But we get one last set of interactions between Bojack and all the main characters, ending where else but on the roof with Diane. They lament not just their recent experiences, but kind of all of our experiences with him and Diane over the past six seasons, over the many years they've spent together, and indeed a couple that they've spent apart. Um, and it is left somewhat ambiguous, but with the reality that in order for Bojack, well, not just for Bojack for heal, but for all the people that come into his life to heal, he must kind of be away from all of them. Whatever remains of Bojack's life, he's going to have to do it alone. There's probably no more fitting away for this show to go off the air. But whilst not a happy ending, it's about the fairest one Bojack himself could have asked for. I would say the fairest and perhaps the most optimistic, given everything that we know up to this mm. point. It's a real sad, it's, it's a real sad moment. You know, you catch him and Diane on that rooftop together. And you know it's the end. It's the end of it all. As we covered quite a lot in the last episode, uh, at the end of the season, we actually did in the episode um, recap for season six, episode 16. It's the end, but we kind of... It, there's a reason we sit in that moment, that long moment at the end, because it really, I think, illustrates perfectly that if you ever had a, a difficult relationship with a friend or with a family member or with a partner, something like that, uh, where it just hasn't worked out, but you kind of have to part. You've had it's like you've had a, you've enjoyed the time together. There's been ups, there's been downs, but you kind of know it's for the best that you have to go now. You have to separate and have to go your separate ways, and you kind of just see it hanging in the air here with these two, and it's, it's just really beautifully done. Like mm. I don't know if there's, I don't know, if, does Bojack deserve it? I don't know. Uh, you'd have to make your own mind up on that one. Um, I think their friendship, I think, certainly deserves it. I think they've been through too much for it to just end so abruptly, uh, like perhaps in the way that maybe Bojack and Hollyhock's relationship does. Um, this one needed to be the end, I think. It needed to be the, the thing we the final beat that we got from this uh mm. from this part the, from, from this show in particular. And I think it worked. I really did. But I think watching the rise of Bojack in the first half and watching the fall of him in the second half of the season, I mean it felt quite on brand, let's be honest, uh for Bojack. But also even though this has got to be one of the steepest falls, right? This has got to be one of the steepest falls we've ever seen him take. And that's saying something in this show. The man has done a lot, to say the least. He ends up somewhere semi-positive, I think. I think. And I think yeah. that's the whole point, isn't it? As Diane brilliantly says at the end of it, sometimes life's a bitch and you keep on living. And, and that's, that's his task. It's going to be every day now. And he's got to try and find a way to fix that. And that'll be what we don't get to see in the future. But it's a mm. fascinating place to leave us. And I think the right one, because imagine if it had ended with the death of Bojack Horseman. I think that sends the wrong message. And I think for a long time, you and I in particular were thinking, how are they? How does it end without him dying? Because that's yeah. kind of, it felt for so long like that's what we were getting. But of course, this is why Bojack Horseman is better than the show you like, because they find a way to do it life's a bitch and you keep living from Diane it was such a great response to Bojack kind of being a little bit trite he is kind of yet again lent on a fairly tired cliche 
with which to, well, get out of a conversational cul-de-sac between the two. But Diane has taken that and has really hit upon one of the major themes of the show. And I think you make a great point there. Weird watching this at the time, and I assume that a lot of other people listening to this show who were watching as it was airing were maybe thinking, well, yeah, there is no way for this to end well for Bojack. But then, in a strange way, death might have given us all the comfort that Bojack Horseman, the show, shouldn't really do. This is wouldn't have been such a powerful lament on mental health if it didn't tackle the issues head on. And how do you tackle issues head on in life? You live with them. You constantly live with them. If you're an addict of any kind, you live with your addiction. If you're somebody that encounters mental health, as we you know sort of talked about, Bojack saying to Hollyhock that oh, yeah, it goes away, knowing that he was telling her a lie and it doesn't, you live with it. And making Bojack live with it is both pleasure and punishment because he hasn't died. He's seen what death looks like and it's absolutely petrified him. So that is the pleasure. And in truth, it's the only pleasure he deserves. It's 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 a small one, but it's the only one he deserves. But in the meantime, he can go on and he can live with everything he's done. And hopefully he won't do too much more about it. But that, I guess, isn't our problem anymore. We're going to stop looking through his glass doors of his apartment. And we're just going to have to trust that it turns out. Um, on Diane, who it's nice to think will go on living without some of the pain that Bojack has brought her way. Her season, I guess, took her to places that we've never seen, but broadly, in a good way. She's still with um, Girl Crush at the start of season six, and she's on the road with their cameraman, Guy. Um, she's still doing rather fluffy content production. It's not really her thing, but she is at least very content in Guy's company um, because it's revealed that they have actually started a relationship. It's something that's happened through work, but it's given her a degree of satisfaction that she maybe didn't have before. And, uh, and with this sort of bond and relationship that she's made with Guy, it's quite smart. They're actually able to obscure that they're getting stuff done. Diane is kind of using almost like, you know, the flashy cover image of a piece of content to hide great content within it. They're kind of managing to do a few hit pieces. It's not necessarily tracking with Girl Crush, unfortunately. Diane's numbers are maybe not on a par with some of her colleagues. Um, and anyway, she's starting to realise that maybe this isn't for her. A corporate buyout is just one of the many things that sends her into finally being able to write, to do what she's obviously proven with Secretariat and indeed, of course, writing Bojack's memoir, something that she can do very well. But then life hasn't necessarily afforded the opportunities to do a bit more of it. Guy, however, wants to. He's a loving partner. He feels he can support the pair of them. So Diane is starting to write. Only she's not. And she now encounters a mental health crisis of her own. Uh, she is, I guess, started to believe that with everything coming together, um, the book can follow, the writing can follow, the process that she's been looking for this time to be able to work on should come together, and yet it doesn't. And that sends her into yet another spiral. Um, it's not one linked to Bojack this time. It's linked to her many insecurities about you know her not being able to do things. And nothing, unfortunately, and it's sad to watch this, nothing, even the good things in her life, even Guy's encouragement and the freedom and the, the time to do it, seems to be fixing that. She doesn't want to take uh, medication to deal with the mental health issues. Uh, you know, we're led to believe the sort of like antidepressants that she's been prescribed, but she's uncomfortable to take. Um, she doesn't believe neither one or the other will ultimately help her writing. Um, but with a bit of coaching from Guy and with a lot of soul searching in herself, she manages to sort of brave taking the antidepressants. She, I guess, allows 
the antidepressants to help her control something and moderate that in her life when she kind of believed she wanted to do it herself, but is accepting the help of the medication. That, in turn, does at least get her on the right track from a writing point of view. She finds herself um, sat in the mall in Chicago in the food court, idly staring at the space. The work is not coming in the way she would like on her um, her own sort of memoir, her own uh, very wordy takedown of all misogyny and all sexism and all gender politics of Hollywood. She set herself a big task and the very pressure of that task is weighing down her along, of course, with her own mental health struggles. And it's while in that food court that she happens upon Ivy Tran, Mall Detective, a um, children's character that Princess Carolyn immediately sinks her teeth into for the possibility of merchandising and publishing rights and franchising and a series of books. Diane, again, feels a little bit like she's starting to sell out and it's maybe not what she wants, but ultimately it's just going too successful for her to not keep going with it. Um, the fact that obviously the... Um, the depression that she really felt like she was in when things going well is something that's laying heavy on her mind and she's able to pull herself out from that. Again, things remain pretty good with Guy. They are faced with a substantial life change when uh, Guy has to leave Chicago to move to Houston. It's at that point she looks at her life as a whole and realizes, yes, I can actually do this. Let's go to Houston. So she up sticks with Guy. She goes with him. We are led to believe, as obviously the plot centers far more on Bojack and everything that's going on with him, that all is relatively well in Houston. Um, there are more Ivy Tran books to come. There are book signings. Diane has made it. She has at very least done it as a writer. There have been compromises and concerns and things of that nature along the way, but she has got where she needed to go. And it very much feels like that journey is ongoing. She's realized that she's never necessarily at the end. Um, Ivy Tran will at very least do for now. And that's not just all. She reveals in really quite sweet fashion in the uh, in that rooftop chat with Bojack uh, after a conversation where she's referring to somebody that was her then boyfriend, referring, of course, to Guy and the advice that he passed on to her, that we assume maybe that the, the big move has not worked out well, but it is in fact gone the opposite way the best kind of way she's put all the eggs in one basket with guy and it has worked out and they've got married diane married settled broadly happy or at very least coming to terms with her mental health and figuring out ways to be happy a successful writer albeit with compromises again not quite the smooth sailing off into the sunset that many finales will give you but i would say again the best one for a character we love as much as diane this was really satisfying, wasn't it, this one? Mm. Uh, satisfying in so many different ways because Diane finally getting what felt like the right story beat to finish on here. Like, mm -hmm. everything's coming up, Diane House. <laughs> like, <laughs> really good stuff. But we have watched an equally long and winding road and difficult journey that she's been on to get there. And... I think not that I'm not, of course, not that you missed it at all, but to just really, really highlight the sort of breaking point of all this in her own stupid piece of episode that was good damage in this season, uh, in the second half of the season, where, like, again, a character who is associated heavily with mental health, you know, between her and Bojack, both the two poster boy and girl for that in this show. And to see how different and varied her version of this was from Bojack's was fascinating and how connected to her work it was 
more specifically than maybe Bojack's being connected to his really disastrous life kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and the struggle between Diane's Diane the worker, Diane the human, and Diane the woman, which are like three completely separate entities that she's like having to try and juggle. It looks like it's amazing she manages to get out of bed, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I just think watching that her journey and thinking about how much, you know, you know, to quote herself, how much damage she accrues during this show, whether it's good damage or bad damage, I'll let you all decide again. Um, but she does. She, she takes it from the very beginning all the way through to this season, which is very different to Bojack's. I think you talk about the sum total of Bojack's problems are Bojack's fault. Like, yeah. yes, he can't help his childhood. Nobody can kind of ever deny him that. But that doesn't give him the right to, to do and say and be the things that he is in this show. Mm. Diane, things happen to Diane. Like, there's a big difference here. As a, the world beats the shit out of Diane in numerous yeah. different ways in this show, whether it's Hank Hippopolis or whatever he's called, way back when, whenever she tries to like sort of stand up to the man and the system and mm-hmm. the misogyny of Hollywood and the, the sort of injustices, Diane ends up worse off. And she, we've, we've seen her for ages juggling a moral compass and her happiness versus her doing the right and the wrong thing. And it's, they are not a match. <laughs> they do not no. go well together, those two things. Diane always ends up suffering, especially when she tries to do the right thing, especially when she tries to do the thing that's going to help her and the people around her uh, most of the times. Just a fascinating parallel character that Bojack thought the show, no doubt about it. And like the epitome of how fucked up it is, <laughs> genuinely, that Hollywood and then Hollywood in real life and then just the world in general, let's be quite mm-hmm. frank about it, um, just does not, and I'm not saying it, you know, the world can. The world does not uh, discriminate. It could be male or female. It could be anything. But it seems to lie, more often than not, women seem to have a much worse time of it, I think it's fair to say, as this show seems to highlight quite well. And Diane is the absolute epitome of that. And along with Princess Carolyn, who, of course, we'll get into in a little bit. But, Michael, she got a nice finish, which is what she deserved, I think. The character, for me, deserved it in terms of she was always trying to do the right thing, and now the right thing has happened to her, which is quite nice. Yeah, that's a nice, yeah, a nice way to put it. And I think without it, um, it never like Bojack Horseman the show never compromised its core values to give her that either, which I think was really important. I think that you would have spotted it a mile off if any of these characters' conclusions. And as we keep saying, they're not conclusions. Like you want to believe that these lies continue. We're just not watching mm. anymore. That's like, like all the best yeah. television. Um, but you had to feel like these conclusions were earned. And I think maybe Diane's was the toughest because she was, it, it was kind of of vital importance that she got the right kind of happy ending. I think yeah. without, as you say, like life has just jabbed her in the ribs over and over and over again. And you sense that there's still a couple more jabs that she's going to have to absorb. Um, she's still in the ring. She's still, she's still having a punch back. She's still there. But you're well, saying she's gonna win. she's winning on points, and for the longest time she wasn't. And I think, yeah. like, I think to get her there was such an achievement. And I think she, it's it's funny because all of that accrued is, like, there is, it is obviously up for debate. 
was, was the damage that she took good, as she mentions, or was it bad? But she talks about, even in that very episode, about how if she's gone through all of this to get to the point at the end, she wanted to write this memoir, which would be mm. the, you know, essentially a summary of all this baggage that she'd accrued over these years. And the message of just letting go of this stuff that was in that episode in itself, which was just brilliantly done because, yes, you know, as a an esteemed writer, she might not feel like writing this teen book about our kids' book, whatever you want to call it, about Ivy Tran, is, mm. is the thing, the legacy she wants to leave. She wants to talk about the hard-hitting things that have happened to her and the injustices in the world and the how to right these wrongs and fighting the good fight. And yet, ironically, I love the way that it shows that th these books can be just as powerful because mm. if it inspires even just one little kid who sees a character in a positive light, the way that Diane is depicting from the specific background that Diane is depicting and doing the certain things that Diane is depicting in the novel. Even if that one kid gets the book and enjoys it and it has that positive impact for the little girl that she was who didn't have that in her life, she realises she can make a bigger difference than she ever would writing this memoir where she gets to essentially do therapy into a book, I guess, uh, and have it sell. Whether it would or wouldn't, we don't know. And I did have a catchy title, if I remember rightly, more on that in just a bit. Um, but <laughs> that book never comes to fruition. And it turns out she didn't need to do that because the way to get over that and to process that was to move on from it. And I think that's really yeah. nice. It really is. She got to write her own story in a different, in a very, very different way. Very nicely done. Um, I want to talk about Princess Carolyn's own story. And before we can do that with any kind of chronology in this season, um, I just want to very briefly talk about how she relates to Bojack because that stupid piece of shit horse doesn't deserve the profile here. Um, Princess Carolyn, for like small parts of the season, is obviously integral to the, I guess, last gasps of fame for Bojack Horseman. She stays with him to the very end. Everybody else has left that office of his when you've got all the whiteboards and you've got all the things that he's done. She's the one that sticks with him and she supports him. Um, it's a, obviously at the midpoint of the season. Uh, she has um, just about balancing working and parenting. More on that in just a second. Um, and she has figured out that, you know, at this point, she's in with Bojack to the end. However, it's maybe not as a relationship. There may be no longer... There's no romance left between them, but at very least, as a client and more importantly as a friend, she will just stick it out with Bojack and whatever fights they've got left, she'll get him through them. The last one turns out to be the very last one. It is, of course, that aforementioned interview with Biscuits Braxby, which again, Carolyn's instincts are so much better than Bojack. She knows that the first one has gone really well and doesn't really want him to do the second one, but his male ego and his vanity is just too powerful. And that is the point that Princess Carolyn is kind of forced out of Bojack's life. She mm. realises that she can't stop him making one of the more obvious mistakes he makes in the whole show by going for round two with biscuits. And I think at that point, there's a, a realisation from PC that it's maybe time there to just give in on Bojack, to tap out at every aspect of his life, whether it be personal, whether it be professional. She looks at him and she thinks, well, maybe there is no saving him. And if there is, it's not going to be me doing it anymore. And I think that's... That's not the central plot point for Princess Carolyn in season six, but I think it's very important, just before we talk about what that is, because what that is is really nice. But before we get to that stuff, it was very important that she got to draw that line and we got to see it, I think. Mm. Yeah, and to see her get that moment where 
it, he no longer has a hold over her, which is, mm -hmm. well, it's a physical or mental or emotional hold that he's had over for years. I think it's just important to see that she, like, it's that wave of acceptance, isn't it, that she has, where she's mm. she's put so much time into this stupid goddamn horse, and <laughs> ultimately, I don't think it was a waste. I genuinely don't. I think mm. that was, sometimes you can have enjoyed the things you've enjoyed out of that experience, yes, there's definitely been a lot of downs for her and Bojack as well. But ultimately, I don't think she would turn it away. You know, I think she even says about, you know, not in these exact words, but like he was essentially the love of her, love of her life. Like yeah. she spent so much time loving this horse and the various different versions of love that you will get in life. And the best thing she could probably do for him is to realize that it's time's time. And I think... That's something you start to see as we get into the latter stages of this season in particular. A lot of the characters, uh, both Diane and Princess Carolyn, the strong female characters in Bojack's life, just choosing to... You you were right to struggle with this before because it's hard to kind of put into words. They don't disown him. They don't want wish any ill on him. It's not like they've just mm. given up on him. They just have they've moved on from him, yeah. I think, is the way to say it. There's no, on their part, I don't think there's any ill feeling in particular. There's just an understanding that it's just not good for anybody anymore if this keeps mm. happening. Because if you don't, you're just going to keep repeating the same old history over and over again. Yeah, it's where it's, you hear about this. Um, it's br breaking the cycle of abuse. Mm. It's often yeah. used in, ter in terms of abuse in, the, in a way that these relationships have all been abusive in one way or another. It's pretty much all the characters in a myriad of different ways. Um, you mentioned love of Princess Carolyn's life. Of course, Bojack was one. But there were three more that we need to talk about. Um, her husband, which we will get to, because, uh, of course, they all converge at a wedding. Her work and Ruthie. And uh, those latter two are focused on magnificently in uh, episode two of season six, um, the new client in which um, they kind of give Princess Carolyn's attempt to do it all, the life she believed she could have and the life she is like working so hard to maintain um they show you the realities of that um what a powerful piece of television that was i don't just say that as a parent but i say it as a husband of a wife that lives it far more than me because they just do it better um it is an impossible job sometimes having kids when you've got to have your actual job or you've got to get on with the job of living and trying to keep your head in check and all the rest of it there are fewer um, television shows, much like Stupid Peach, What's the Mental Health? I think this was to the reality of trying to be a working parent, but especially, again, not an experience I have lived in, but one I've seen firsthand, that of a working mother. Um, quite a remarkable episode. And a way, I think, within one singular episode, not to, I'm not suggesting that Bojack did to Ruthie what Friends does to Emma, let's say, but a way to give you all the realities of Ruthie as part of Princess Carolyn's life without her necessarily becoming the dominant plot point. And I think that's true because the whole point of Princess Carolyn is that she just cannot switch that work switch off. She can, maybe about 11 p.m. or maybe after she gets an early away from the office and it's only nine instead of 11 p.m. But it wouldn't be true to the Princess Carolyn character if she immediately dropped everything for Ruthie Equally, it wouldn't be true if she abandoned her altogether. So I think really hammering the day-to-day -day life of PC in that single episode, I think was a very effective way. You see Ruthie featured a lot. 
obviously Todd's got a plot as Ruthie's kind of caregiver and full-time babysitter and all that sort of thing. So she's a constant feature. She's always mentioned. It's constantly brought up in Princess Carolyn's scripting that there's somewhere else better to be. There's someone she's doing it for that's not her anymore. So they never have her just become this ghost at the feast. However, um, I think that that episode is probably the most powerful in showing how she's going to get it done. The other way she's going to get it done, by which I mean, when I say it, I mean work and uh, home life and finally bringing it all together. Now we can talk about the wedding and indeed who she's marrying. Who else could it be but Judah Mandow, dog? Because after all of the teasing and all of the years and the episodes that we got to talk about Judah, not just being the perfect specimen of a man, not just being the perfect assistant, but being perfect for every facet of Princess Carolyn's life, she realises it herself. And it is their wedding that everybody is attending. And when I talk about the um, the endings that are kind of happy, but a little bit ambiguous. I think it's safe to say that Princess Carolyn's is the least ambiguous and deservedly fucking so, in my opinion, because um, the whole point of the Princess Carolyn character is to present you with a desert rose. You are given six seasons of looking at Hollywood for the misogynistic, literal tar pit it is, this desert where no woman ever gets to flourish, ever gets to blossom. Princess Carolyn is managing that career and not just managing she's not just surviving she's thriving it's her business she's the boss she's the mother she's the wife she's all she wanted she's all she deserved and there are going to be tough days ahead there are going to be we know that she is a parent she is a boss she is a wife there are tough days within all those things but those are the things she craved most and she's done it and it's class she got them all she got them all she got them all because can she have it all Michael? you goddamn right she can because she's Princess Motherfucking Carolyn. <laughs> I will say, though, they do a fantastic job, not just in this season, but in the whole show, of course. The question is always, I think the question was always pitched as, like, can Princess Carolyn have it all? That's mm-hmm. what it always felt like. She wanted it all, certainly. Could she have it all? I'm not sure that was the right question. I think the right question that we've been sort of dancing around and we get the most of in that season, this season in particular, and the episode two, as you mentioned, it's not can she, it's why. Why is she having to choose mm. to have it all? Why can't she have it all? Like, why is why is the way that the world is wired, designed, <laughs> that it's not, it's made as almost impossible. Yeah. It, you have to be a superhuman She's got to beat a rigged game, hasn't she? She has to beat a rigged game. I have a friend uh, who has recently become a mother who Mm -hmm. is very much driven like Princess Carolyn. She loves work and she wants to advance her career. She does all, like, she wants it all. And she, we've had that that earnest conversation in a rare catch-up. We got to see each other a little while back. Well, I'm living this conversation with her in real Mm. life. And it is, it's so unfair. Like, you know, no revelation. It's not like the podcast horsemen, boys, the boys and men on this podcast just <laughs> invented this. It's This is obviously not a brand new conversation for any woman out yeah. there who's listening to this podcast. We are aware of that, believe you and me. But it's getting getting to an age now where you're actually physically living through it, whether it's been your parents or whether it's been uh, your friends or whatever, or partners indeed. It's just, it's a cruel, it's a cruel rig game. And this show really hammered that home with that episode, that episode two in the first half, of just how difficult it is 
And these unrealistic expectations, these unfair, insurmountable hurdles for women, it's just, they, they really do encapsulate it perfectly in this episode. I don't, I, I know I'm repeating myself at this point, but it's true. It deserves repeating because I think that was always been the question. But of course, if anyone can answer that question and can give you the goddamn blueprint and figure it out, it's Princess Carolyn. And she gets brilliantly, Michael, she gets the one good man in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, she got him. She got him. She got him. Of course she did. She's Princess Carolyn. But yeah. these two. I'll be honest, when it first started call coming together, I didn't see it coming, man. I didn't no. see it coming until I did a second watch and then a third watch and a fourth watch, probably at this fourth, fifth. I can never remember which one it is. Um, then you start to see this tiny little things that are happening throughout this show, which could be interpreted, obviously, if you're looking for them. Um, and of course you should be looking for them because that's what this show does. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was fascinating as well when you were talking about it there, she obviously ends up with our good, personal, great, best boy, Judah Manodog, of course, which is funny because at this point, the two lovers in her life are horse man and <laughs> man or dog, <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. Why? Why? That's I don't sweet. know why I've never noticed that That's before. Quite sweet. Judah Manodog and Bojack Horseman. Like, you swap them around, and for some reason, when the man comes first and the animal comes second, <laughs> it's better? I don't That's know. Quite good. Question mark? Question mark? I don't know. But either way, very happy with how things turned out for Princess Carolyn. I will say this. We we talk about this a lot. This is how great Princess Carolyn is, Michael, and how important it is. And yes, we realised it was probably a time constraints thing for the episode to make sure I got everything Princess Carolyn is so great, and she gets to she marries Judah, and that's wonderful. You don't ever see Judah in that final episode because no. you don't need to, because mm-hmm. Judah is the man now, dog, and he is off doing the stuff to free her up so that she can yeah. have a nice night. Because it's already it's the as they explain, it's technically the second wedding that happened. It's the mm-hmm. showbiz wedding for to get all her clients together. So she gets to work the room. And he goes home and works. He's working on other stuff, I think. He's talking about scripts or something, I'm sure, at that point. Yeah. Um, brilliant. What a pairing. What, a, what an excellent way of showing us, using time constraints to turn it into a way of showing us just how fun- functionally excellent this relationship already is. Wonderful stuff. Really, really it's wonderful a, a really inspired detail. As it, like, and just a, a quick note on this. Um, you know, we've managed all of these episodes at this point without being complete perverts. But Princess Carolyn was <laughs> when uh, she saw Judah on stage, so we can be too. Um, everything is constantly a minute-by-minute minute chase to hit a deadline or to just to get to be 10 minutes behind instead of an hour behind in Princess Carolyn's life. And just making it um, to obviously miss Judah playing the gig, but then seeing him gig-ready with his hair like all down with his... Like his street clothes on, for the want of a better phrase. Yeah, it's, it's flannel uh, he's shit. Looking well, he's looking well. Hey, like, listen, you, you relate to her. You relate to her. He does. I mean, look I'm, relate, I'm relating to her on the other end of this Skype call right now. Quite frankly, I mean, that's great. That's great content for the listeners of this podcast who can't <laughs> see what you're talking about. But uh, Judah Manadog, when he gets his hair down and plays guitar for Princess Carolyn in her oh. office, is a real. 10 out of 10 moment in this show. It really yeah, is. It certainly um, is. And I genuinely tell you, man, like the first time I watched this, when he said, 
that he loved her on the guitar. Mm. I swear to God, that is it was the exact first moment I've ever thought of any of this. That was like mm. he plays the um please believe me when I tell you I love you. Yeah. Princess Carolyn, he sort of says. I was more shocked than she was. I was like, <laughs> Doggy Doggy, what now? <laughs> like, could not, I don't know if I just let my brain switch off or whatever it was, but it really, I was like, damn, that's a reveal. And Princess <laughs> Carolyn, I love the way that she just kind of goes, hmm, and like smiles because it feels right to her or it makes sense to her. She, she doesn't say it back, mind you, poor bugger. He's sitting there with just poured his soul about the song. But she doesn't need to because he knows and she knows. And it's all good. It's all good. It, it is all that needs, isn't it? In a world yeah. where like they're they have to like deal with far too many words that mean nothing. Sometimes saying nothing at all is what means the most between them two that have got that connection that these phonies that they have to deal with simply don't. All right, Ronan Keaton there. You say it best. <laughs> you say it best when you say nothing at all, is it? Is that right? I oh, see what's going on. I'm trying to come up with a very quick segue at that. Um, well, well, you know what they say, Michael. Life is a roller coaster. Just got to ride it. And who better to ride a roller coaster than one of the happiest? Oh, I've just assumed you're going to go to Mr. Peanut Butter now, and you may be going to oh, Todd. God, I was going to go. <laughs> do you know what? I was going to go to Todd, but no matter what they tell us, we can always get to Mr. Peanut Butter first because it's been a roller coaster year for Mr. Peanut Butter, mm. having seemingly been at the top of all those peaks. I'm going to get rid of this analogy. I promise you, I'll ditch it in a second. All of a sudden, everything came hurtling back down to earth for a dog that became the saddest of all. Of course, we uh, we found Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles in a bit of a strange situation at the start of season six. Um, things with um, Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles are fine, question mark. Mm. Peanut Butter is still racked with guilt, obviously, over sleeping with Diane. Um, there are other kind of cracks showing in the relationship um another panicked wedding is on the cards because mr peanut butter just does not learn his lessons peanut butter um, gonna peanut butter <laughs> but everything falls to pieces in a spectacular episode episode four surprise where todd has organized a um a surprise wedding party <laughs> where everybody is around the house we get the big reveal about peanut butter and diane at this party in front of all the party guests, but party guests that were hidden behind various chairs and tables waiting to say, surprise! So the enormous fight, the huge blowout row um, between the not quite newlyweds anymore is happening in front of the guests. Um, it's a tremendous farce episode, but of course, it being Bojack. Uh, remember the old gag before the drag? Well, you get both in beautiful synergy here because there's a constant gag taking place. There's characters moving around the house trying to hide. There's you can blatantly see, by the way. Just oh, everyone can 100%, these are the worst hiding places you've <laughs> ever seen. Proper hiding behind lamps with a face behind the shade, that kind of thing. Um, but yet, peanut butter and pickles are so enveloped in this in this row and this revelation that it's all coming out. And of course, with it all coming out in front of people, various other home truths are shared between the characters. It's the first Bojack Hayes of Diane's involvement in this. It's it's an ugly, awkward scene. And Pickles and um, Mr. Peanut Butter resolve that the only way to fix this is for uh, Pickles to, I guess, get the other uh, hall pass, as our American listeners might say. She gets a free hit of her own, or I guess maybe somebody gets a, a free hit of theirs with Pickles. Either way, um, that doesn't seem to solve the problem, because then they realise that in order for um, Pickles to truly get well, this revenge shag and it be effective, <laughs> she's got... <laughs> 
she's got to love the person in the same way that Mr. Peanut Butter still kind of loved Diane. So now, just a just a refreshing recap. In order to save this marriage, Pickles has to sleep with somebody she loves that isn't Mr. Peanut Butter. They are the last two that realise that this is untenable, not least when it turns out that that person is Joey Pogo, the Justin Bieber-like <laughs> figure that Mr. Peanut Butter has set up a lazy Susan small plates restaurant with. Oh, God. Time where they, they can't make this business work as a trifecta. Pickles goes on tour with Joey Pogo, and it is at long last over. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter, as finally starting to deal with his problems rather than just mask them with brand new ones, falls into a, a bit of a mental health crisis of his own and becomes a giant meme. The sad dog meme uh, takes over viral culture for a bit with Mr. Peanut Butter's legitimate sadness being marketed as something to make everybody else happy. And he becomes a recognisable figure again. And in <laughs> the greatest, maybe, Mr. Peanut Butter walks out into the world and an opportunity comes his way. He sees a birthday card in a shop and gets it optioned as one of the most successful television shows of a generation. <laughs> birthday Dad, a show in which we're never fully given the plot of, other than he is a dad that has birthdays. Somehow... <laughs> connects with the world it gets nominated with emmys it finds mr peanut butter untold wealth the likes of which he never achieved even with his original show he earns so much money and he wants to give something back to the world that has given him so much that he goes to reinstall the d that bojack took for diane which peanut butter then claims that he did himself on the record so that will be his forever and he gets it wrong because he uses the same sign guys that have been getting signs and gestures wrong for years. And he gets a B. So Hollywood <laughs> has gone from Hollywood and will become Hollywood in the legacy of birthday dad. Because, of course, he wanted the B instead of the D. Um, there can be no great there. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> on that one rare occasion, the sign guys aren't to blame for this one, are they? Because Mr. Peanut asks for B as in... You know, as for D is in birthday dad, but that doesn't make any <laughs> sense, does it? <laughs> so actually, it's, maybe it wasn't their fault all this time. That's what they—it's left a bit ambiguous, that, isn't it? It is. Finally, that they, they maybe not uh, their feet don't need to help the fire on this one. Um, mm -hmm. He's ending with Bojack because obviously we kind of have to talk about all of them and how they relate. And I guess so. That is that's peanut butter's ending, and there's no real better ending for a peanut butter. But just quickly to touch on his ending with Bojack as well. His is very much taking us all the way back to the season one dynamic that was established. They are fundamentally the same, but typically one takes one path and one takes mm -hmm. another. And I mean, that's life, isn't it? Really, like that's it's what all the people say. Yeah, and the dogs and the horses. Sometimes, you know, like it's luck, sometimes it's chance, sometimes it's actual personality and power of personality. And Mr. Peanut Butter does just view life for a certain lens. Bojack sees it through another one. The horses and dogs, and we've always talked about how they're both on race tracks. Um, but the dogs tend to catch that pretend fake hair at the end and the horses often don't reach that prize and maybe that's what happens with they do man it's a carrier bag with rabbit ears on they're allowed to savage that thing at the end they're all birthday dad they race out the traps and they catch it the horse hey, only the highest caliber only the highest caliber of analogies here on podcast horsemen horsemen get a 
fucking rosette around its neck. <laughs> it doesn't know. It's, like it's not you know, chopped off for that. Exactly. Let me just use this Pritt stick as made by a Grand National winner. No, it's a. Uh... <laughs> anyway, anyway, moral of the story is be more dog, be more peanut butter. Thoughts? Pritt stick. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, that's been podcast horseman. Uh, go buy Pritt stick. Um, endorse <laughs> your local Pritt stick dealers. Uh, that's what the show is really all about. <laughs> Amazing, uh, amazing. Uh, those horses, you know, the, their bodies, their heads, their legs, their lips are like glue. And Mr. Peanut Butter, I think I love you. Yep. Are <laughs> 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 uh, we going to go from podcasters to fickle friends here? Oh, I'm worrying that you're going to switch good. this call off. Very good. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Podcast awesome. <laughs> Sensational stuff. It was bound to happen at some point. We've been away too long for this not to fall yeah. off the tracks. Get it? Track. Um, <laughs> Mr. Peanutbutter, though, getting, I think, just a quite a... I think it's a weird one, this, because you wouldn't necessarily say his ending is like he gets a big prize at the end like everybody else seems to have. I know Bojack doesn't necessarily fall fall into that category. Um, but I think Mr. Peanutbutter doesn't need all of that, does he? Because he has lots no. of little happy moments throughout this show. Too many, I think I would argue. And um, <laughs> that dog so much in this in the in this show, like just falls into good things. That what he does get is a contemplative moment of reflection. Because and I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but like the Christopher Nolan analogy that he makes, where he's like, "Is my life all about? It's not all about the women." in my life mm. it's about me <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of has that moment of realization that he can't just keep going from relationship to relationship to relationship he's never spent any time alone he's never spent time getting to know himself and he's never spent time getting to figure out life from that perspective rather than just being a codependent dog he needs to learn how to have some independence something which he's never done so he might not seem like he gets some grand prize at the end like you might think some of the others do in this one but he does really, because he gets the knowledge yeah. of knowing that he needs to be better than what he has been and needs to stop his own. It's not a pattern of abuse or a pattern of, um, I don't know, terrible, horrible things happening. It's just a pattern of things not working out because he has been in an arrest state of arrested development for so long. He keeps going back and finding people who are at a certain point in their life. And then when they change, he stays the same. And it has yeah. a problem and he can't fix it by just keep repeating it. So I think he does actually get one of the better endings in terms of he needs to figure that out. And that's something exciting. It doesn't like tie it up nice and neat, but it does indeed give him show us that he's come. He's like come a long way. Yeah. Mr. Peanut Butter, because for so many seasons, that dog did not learn. Shit. He, <laughs> no. he learned nothing. He didn't learn a goddamn thing. He just kept repeating the same mistakes. So he gets a shot at figuring it out. And that's kind of nice. He doesn't, you know, he's a man and a man dog in Hollywood. He, he's yeah. going to get a shot anyway, even if he figures it out or not. But nice to know that he might be just evolving, which is, it only took his other dog partner getting boned so many times for him to figure it out. <laughs> Very good. I've been on that since you were talking about pickles. I really have. Um, speaking of uh, connections, that's sort of the uh, the theme of Todd's season, I would say. 
Um, Wait, just just before we go to go Todd, on. just before, I would be remiss if I did not mention, we would be remiss if we did not mention, Peanut Butter does actually get his big happy ending because he gets his crossover episode with Bojack. Oh, uh, God, yes. Where he gets to sit on the set of Mr. Peanut Butter's house, which is apparently <laughs> more famous than the set of Bojack Horseman's uh, yeah. show. Uh, Bojack Horseman's show. Horsing around. And he has that moment. And that is truly, that's a season wrap on Peanut Butter right there, isn't it? Let's be honest. In the face of depression, a wonderful moment. Sorry, I had to mention it because it was so goddamn good. And yet he can't even enjoy it because he's already so spoiled that he ends up just crying because it's too good of a moment. <laughs> It's so overwhelming for him, isn't it? No, it's, it's yeah, is his, uh, his former PB living um, comrade mm. Todd, I suppose. It's um, Todd's whole life in the show, at the very least, has been as much about what he doesn't do than what he does. He kind of finds himself backdooring into ludicrous opportunities, but it's through just being so good natured. He does genuinely want to help. He might not know the best ways to do it, but he kind of ends up doing that. He's a he's a like people's lives are better with Todd in it, you know, which Ooh. I guess a lot of people would say about uh, somebody that whose name sounds a lot like that. Not me personally, Ooh. but like a lot of, I don't want to make the assertion that Todd might be some sort of religious high power. I'll leave that to our listeners to make, uh, that, make that connection. Big Rod. Yeah, of course. I oh, see you've done it now. That's it. So anyway, as we are sailing along through the other uh, Todd synopsis, it feels important to mention two big connections with uh, important females in his life in this season. So yeah, it's at the um, the halfway point of the season where he begins um, seeing Maud. Uh, as we talked about Bojack trying to be a bit of a fixer, uh, he encounters somebody at an airport kiosk that he believes would be perfect for Todd. Um, and he points her in the direction of Todd's, at that time, not very successful um, asexual dating app. In fact, I think Todd at one point it's implied is kind of the only person on it, but he's thrown himself into it and she joins. They're connected. It's Bojack's good deed gone very, very good indeed mm. for Todd. Um, they move in together. They're trying to build a life. Um, and in the meantime, while forging his connection with Maud, at the same time as he feels like maybe life is coming together, having, of course, uh, found earnest and nice full-time work as Ruthie's uh, full-time carer and nanny rather than getting into these various madcap schemes that he's been in previously he's realized that there is a hole in his life that he needs to address this problematic and difficult relationship with his mother we've seen the healing of a relationship with his stepfather um but we learn through the episode the kidney stays in the picture that she's in extremely ill health um he helps jorge source a kidney um for well his kidney for his mother um, that takes them on a, a wacky kind of misadventure. Not the strongest episode of the series, but at very least, very useful at establishing mm. where we're at with Todd and his mother. Um, Jorge is able to be honest with Todd a bit more about the, the shame that she has felt about feeling like them kicking him out was best for Todd, when in reality, Todd went through a series of, you know, misadventures as a result of that. He felt maybe a little bit abandoned and he felt like he had to do it on his own. And that's ultimately the healing process and what they have to go through. And the good news is they start to get there. It is, again, all very passive at this point. We don't see a magic wand waved. Um, it's Jorge, in fact, uh, that brings Todd and his mother together, which is quite nice because it's taken Todd to bond with Jorge, to care enough to be there at his bedside at the same time as his mother, with no choice but to be together for somebody who is now of not equal importance, but of similar importance in their life. They are forced together, and it is clear that uh, they're going to be able to work things out. Um, it's nice 
rather than profound that we get um Todd and his mother sharing very similar character traits. She kind of speaks in the same speech patterns. She goes off on the same wild tangents as she does. And you can see that ultimately something good will come of this if they can just keep talking, if they can just brave the things they need to say to each other. And with Todd having steady work and a steady relationship and perhaps a steady family life, it's very interesting that the boy we meet who sleeps on Bojack's sofa, ends the show as the man with his own place and everything together. The man, as in the man, as in <laughs> thou art the man. <laughs> the big, uh, God, Michael, God, all right? Are <laughs> hey, we just going to stop dancing around this now and just, just get to the, get to it? <laughs> <laughs> on the eighth day, podcast horseman created a strained analogy. <laughs> we forced it. We forced it no matter what. Look, it turned out right for Todd. Good for Todd, I say. Yeah, good for Todd. He had a nice time. And <laughs> hey, maybe what if Todd was one of us, Michael? What would he do? Who knows? But he's had a good time. And ultimately, it's nice to say that he finally found. No, I'm not going to start doing U2 lyrics, but I was going to say it's nice <laughs> to see. That he finally ended up in a situation that seemed to like just fit. Like for so mm. long, we've, this has been a character who has struggled with being labelled, who has struggled with understanding who he is and what he wants, whether that's in life, in work, in relationships, everything. I mean, this is a guy mm. who spent his whole life living on people's couches because he never had his own home, and now he has yeah. a home. This is a guy who, when you first meet him, if you recall correctly, way back, way back when, it's just kind of like on a laptop chatting to some mystery woman mm. uh, who tries to rob him in the end. So <laughs> <laughs> never been great at this stuff and he's always trying to yeah. figure it out. And even back then he wasn't too, too keen on labels, but now he's found someone who, I know we kind of saw that he found someone else who was asexual, but we found the difficult dynamic of she may be asexual, but that's not just enough to build a relationship on. You yeah. have to have things in common. You have to like each other. That has to be a, you have to be, you have to be, you have to be a fit ultimately. Mm. And he finds that with more and that is, they are just the same type of weird. And it is truly magical to watch that happen, that he gets that. And ultimately it's the, it's not, I don't want to call it the reward, but it's the thing he deserves for having to put up with Bojack yeah. for so many seasons. And then ironically, Bojack is the one who he'll might never know that. We don't know if he ever knows that at this point in the show, but Bojack gives Todd the love of his life, like, hmm. and I just think that's quite nice because it's not, it's not something that, he, that he's ever going to want credit for. I don't think in a rare occasion, I don't think, uh, but it's ultimately given Todd the one thing that was missing this whole life, which is just really, really nice. And then to have Todd finally get introduced to Todd's uh, family life, his mother, his stepdad, in particular, the weird. And difficult dynamic that he's had with those for as long as we've known him, certainly. And the mm. thing that might have even led him to Bojack's couch, let's be honest, after all that time getting kicked out of uh, his, his parents' house. It's just nice. It was like these are little things that we maybe had never thought about. Todd's family situation in particular was one I wasn't sure we were going to end up getting time to resolve. And yet we do because, of course, Bojack Horseman's the best. Um, yeah. The, the show, of course. Yeah, I mean, the actual horse, the piece of shit. <laughs> He's got the show is is re it's really quite good, actually. You should watch it. Um, but yeah, 
Todd, nice to see him getting some lovely things happen in his life. And dare I say it, Michael, putting the cherry on a cake for almost, if not all of our main characters who get something positive. Bojack probably gets the least, and that's probably what he deserves. And not probably, mm. definitely what he deserves. He's lucky to end up in the scenario that he does. But the rest of them, I feel, all de- they've worked hard. They've had to deal with this horse for six seasons, man. Yeah. They'd, I know life doesn't work that way, but if ever, ever they comically deserved some sort of justice, I feel like this is a nice way for them all to get it in their own unique and individual way. Hmm. No, I think that's a, a fair summary. It's like the had any of them somehow came out of these last six seasons worse, it just wouldn't have felt on, would it? No. Uh, they've done enough. Like they're the only characters. Like it wouldn't have felt right if Bojack had got a happy ending. Mm. because that's not the way this show goes and nor should it be because it wouldn't have felt true but they have it shows credit to the writers and credit to the incredible consistency throughout the every season that these mm. finales I think for the characters who aren't Bojack feel about right they are what they yeah. need in this life most of them it's where, where they should be ended up where they should be heading sorry where they should have ended up probably and, and I just think it leaves them in a Good place, but not like a, and that was the end of that, and it's all lived happily ever after, because we know there are going to be struggles down the road. We're just not going to be watching them at this point. But it's nice. We leave them in probably the nicest place we could possibly do it. And I love that all of them get their last, one last moment with Bojack, and they spend time dedicating that finale episode to that. Because what else were they going to do? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think the um, they knew we we talked about this in the the we went very long in the um this actual Bojack season finale. Go back and listen to the episode um where we talk about how it was very important to find a balance between ending the show with some fan service, but not betraying the reason the show got fans in the first place, which was yeah. it to feel authentic. And I just feel like 
They nailed it. It's one of the rare cases where, especially from season six, where we get to like start horsing around without feeling like we're dragging ourselves out of a pit. Yeah. Like that doesn't come around very often in season six. Like it's normally the jokes are like that kind of Christ, can we just have a bit of levity? You know, but yeah, like that's true. Is, they measured that well enough to give you that feeling, even though it came with a certain sadness that the show itself was going away. And I think that was the thing. It was never gonna be like everything tied up nice and neat like an episode of friends or something like that it was never going to be that because it's not that sure it hasn't been and mm. you know even way back at the very beginning bojack told you this is not a show that's going to end up being tied up nice and neat after 30 minutes you know that's just not that mm. sure it isn't going to be but i like that the complicated knots that aren't necessarily neat still look like they're at least trying to look mm. neat uh in a way that doesn't feel like it betrayed any of the characters or any of the relationships, more importantly, that Bojack had with those characters. Optimism. They, yeah. you, you might not associate that word with this show. A lot of people would associate real <laughs> mental torture with this show at times. Uh, it's the sad show that people talk about, the sad horse show. But I think that's a consistent thing that Ra- Raphael Bob Waxberg wanted to be clear about with this show and wanted to show you, specifically given how you know, tied together it was by fans and by its content with mental health and the day-to-day struggles, it was important that the message ended on a note of optimism. And I think if you look back, it's consistent with all the other seasons that, yes, sometimes terrible things happen, but ultimately there is a way back. There's always a way back in some, well, maybe not always in life, but certainly the things that happen in this show, there is always a way back if you want to get there, which is yeah. seems to be the message sometimes life's a bitch michael and you keep on living is the final beat of that one but that kind of ties in quite nicely to what we're going to do now because it's time Whew! it's time finally for some horsing around for season six where we were going to go back through every episode this time around normally we go through the episode and highlight all of the things but this is of course season six recap so we go back to the beginning of the season and we go mm-hmm. through each individual episode and we pull out I say we, I mean I, pull out all of my <laughs> favourite gags from each episode, whether it was because they were hilarious, whether it was because it was a really impactful quote, whether it was just because it was a clever bit of wordplay, a little hidden Easter egg that I didn't know, anything. I've gone through them all for varying different degrees and I've picked my favourites from the very beginning. And normally it would only be 12, but of course this is the booster season at the end. This was mm. 16 episodes. So we've got a lot to get through. So let's crack on, shall we? We go back to the beginning of the season, episode one, A Horse Walks Into Rehab. And it feels important, Michael, to start this off well, start the bar off quite high. And I just wanted to give you arguably the catchiest uh, quote that you're going to get throughout this entire show. Um, they really spent a lot of time in the writers making sure you'd remember this and it would just roll off the tongue. When Dr. Champ is talking to Bojack and he comes out with his catchy saying, we want what our addictions want us to want in the same way that our future is just a house built from the materials of our present and the blueprint that is our past. Which I know you obviously have got memorised in your head. because it's <laughs> Remember, that's what I wake up every morning and tell myself, thank you, Dr. Champ, for that one. <laughs> eyelids, that one, isn't it? It really is. God, you must have had to go back to rehab just to sort of unlearn that phrase, I think, <laughs> and then get yourself back on the track. We go across to episode number two, which was called The New Client. 
And again, in similar fashion, I've gone for a standout because in an episode that features Princess Carolyn so heavily, Michael, it would be wrong not to tackle a bit of a tongue twister that came with said episode when she is talking to Vanessa Gecko about arranging things for this, what is it they end up doing, like a brunch or something? Or like a, it's for yeah. all the mothers. You remember the thing they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Some, it's a, I don't know what it ends up being. It ends up being much bigger than it's supposed to be. And Princess Karen gets landed with the whole deal. Uh, I'm going to have to flip between Gecko and PC, but you'll get the gist. <clears throat> so Gecko, the Fujis are in and they love fruit, especially Fuji apples, but they're not fans of Fiji water. PC, Fuji for the Fujis, but no Fiji. Got it. Gecko. Marion is a vegetarian, Megan is vegan, and Carrie and a few other luminaries like Gerwig and Larson won't eat dairy. PC. Cloister the oysters, say tartar to the tartar, make sure there's no feta for Greta or brie for brie. Oh, God damn it, man. And she's doing all this, by the way, while juggling being a mother, while juggling being the boss, while juggling being the best goddamn cat in this show. Full stop, I think. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Really highlights so well. And I bet... One of the things that Amy Sedaris was so happy about when this show did end was that mm. she'd never have to do another <laughs> Yeah, enough of these. Again, wonderful stuff. Although they did kind of give um, Paget Is it Paget Brewster? Is that her name? Yeah. They did kind of give Paget Brewster a bunch of these to kind of take away, I think, from Sedaris having to yeah. do it every episode. But there we go. We go to episode three, Feel Good Story, which is, of course, Diane's episode where we find out how her life's going and how it's evolving slowly but surely. And of course, Michael, you know what's coming. How can I talk about this episode? The episode where Diane is putting it all together and she's pitching her brand new book. What would a book be called, Michael? She was going to give it. She's already got a title, basically, which is going to be one last thing. And then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this forever. Dispatches from the front lines of the war on women, arguments, opinions, reflections, recollections, the razor tax, and then she gets cut off by a guy who stops that. Or, as I would like to call it, Michael, just in a quick abbreviation, O-L-T-A-T-I-S-T-G-I-S-U-A-T-F-D-F-T-F-O-T-W-O-W-A-O-R-R-T-R-T for short. Well done. The last goddamn time well I've ever done. Time I've ever done that. <laughs> Let me tell you, I we had to write those all out with massive spaces in between them. <laughs> <laughs> But it was good stuff, nonetheless. We go to episode four. Episode is called Surprise, of course, the surprise wedding that does not go to plan, Michael. <laughs> um, there's a wonderful bit, though, of course, where Pickles is talking with her pickle pack, who we see throughout that episode, uh, the people on her phone from the world of social media and sort of all that kind of thing, and streaming that she's doing, constant live streaming to her fans. She's talking about how important the pickle pack are to her, uh, when Mr. Peanut Butter has having a conversation with her, and she talks about this moment that really just hit home with how weird the dynamic can be with people you know from the internet. Uh, mm. Friends online can be strange. You don't necessarily know them, but you do know them quite well. You know what I mean? There's a weird dynamic there. But funnily enough, she says to Mr. Peanut Butter about how important they are. And when my grandma Piccolino died, Sticky Vicky was the first person to say, LMAO, sorry for your... <laughs> <laughs> which is just so good man if you've ever had a social media account oh, you've seen that weird dynamic where people are really liking or sort of saying positive funny things mm-hmm. it's, it's really the pits it's not it's not great but people don't know how to react to these things so that's okay <laughs> anyway we go to episode five a little uneven is all is the name of the episode and of course michael 
it has to be the birth of arguably the most meaningful and most impactful and most right on the money meme that we're going to get in this entire show the birth of sad dog the meme yes. which comes from princess carolyn <laughs> when she's talking to mr peanut butter about it how she's i figured out how we're going to get you back on track <laughs> this this meme that's mr peanut butter on a bench sad dog and she's explaining how it can be fit for purpose for so many different things teacher gave you too much homework sad dog <laughs> favorite sport outfit lost the match Sad dog. <laughs> she keeps flicking the iPad to show him, or maybe it's just uh, cue cards. I can't remember, but it's really poorly cut out bits where the dog, <laughs> like, uh, the rug, the the foot, American football ball next to him and stuff. Very stupid indeed, but great nonetheless. Sad dog. A meme I still have on my phone to this day, Michael, because well, it's really great. It's so multi-purpose, isn't it? That's it's why. It it's something to take away when the show is over. <laughs> Episode six, the kidney stays in the picture is next. And there's a brilliant gag in this one. A really small detail, but the layers to it are excellent. You will, of course, remember uh, when Bojack inadvertently gets Dr. Champ drunk and has to take him into rehab eventually himself, Mm -hmm. but he can't go to pastiches, so they end up in partridges, which is, as we discover, an almost like-for-like rehab centre that is just next door to pastiches called Partridges, wonderfully so, which you might just think in passing is a random thing. But, of course, nothing is random in Bojack Horseman. In the room that uh, Dr. Champ is staying in, similar to Bojack's room, there is a picture of uh, Vincent van Gogh. Only in Bojack's room, it was Vincent van Gogh, you'll recall, as a goat is done up as Vincent van Gogh. But in this room, it's a self-portrait with a bandaged ear and a pipe of Vincent van Gogh. Or is it, Michael? Because if you look a little bit closer at the picture, it's not Vincent Van Gogh. Is it Van Gogh or Van Gogh? I never know. It's one of those. We'll go yeah. with Van Gogh, but he's Van Gogh in my head forever. <laughs> um, we find out that it's not actually him. Because this time, it's Danny Bonaducci, Michael, who has done up to look like Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> in a gag that ties together it all perfectly. Because as Bojack Menson's part, which is, is a rehab clinic, founded... By Danny Bonaducci, of course. <laughs> and we all know he's famous for being none other than Danny Partridge in the 1974 sitcom The Partridge Family. And on top of that, Michael, even more relevant because on March 9th, 1990, Danny Bonaducci was, of course, arrested while attempting to buy cocaine on Daytona Beach, Florida. And Bonaducci was there to host an event, I should point out. Mm-hmm. At the for the uh, organisation DARE, which is the anti-drug campaign aimed at children. <laughs> Incredible. Great, I mean, great days. Great days. Great days for everybody. I mean, that is just sensational work. The layers to that joke are just one of my favourites from that season, full stop. The, amount, the, the level they've gone to for what was what? A couple of seconds of a gag? Brilliant stuff. But I would also need to give an honourable mention in this episode, um, to a bit more heartfelt of a line, which really stuck with me this time round, where Todd says to Jorge, why do you need to be proud of me on your terms? That mm. really hit me. I was like, that's so fucking true, man. Like, what a thing to take away from this. Why do you have to be, why do you need to be proud of me on your terms? I thought that was such a great thing. Mm. I hope someone else took as much from that as I did, because I felt like yeah. a good life lesson, that one. Arming people with language, that... Isn't it? That's it. This show has mm. done it many times and hopefully has given people a toolkit to express themselves in a better way. Uh, episode 7, 
the face of depression. Possibly my favorite, one of my favorite episodes. Full stop in this show. Mm. Who knows? There's a lot of them, but a great episode nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> but of course, the thing I love the most in this one, Michael, is when we go almost to the very end of the episode. Bojack goes through Old Town Horseburg, you'll remember, um, or Ye Old Town Horseburg, and he's in the church. Uh, he goes and watches that service, and we see in the church that the windows of the church are tinted red, Michael, or are they rose-coloured, as we've mentioned previously? Yes. Because, of course, in an episode where everything is lovely and nice and feel good, are we watching the whole thing through rose-coloured glasses? Yes, we bloody are. As really we good, that. Just one episode later, but not only that, of course, it ties back wonderfully to what Bojack's ex-partner Wanda says to him in season two. You know, it's funny. When you look at someone through rose-coloured glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. One of the all-time great quotes from this episode. And yes, we didn't have long to wait to find out that, of course, it was all rose-tinted <laughs> in episode eight. The fucking toll is to be paid, my friend. Indeed. Oh, God. The reback cometh in the next episode. Anyway, speaking of which, episode eight, a quick one while he's away, which we've never mentioned before, is, of course, a title of a song by The Who, in which... I might be right in saying, I'm taking a punt at this one. I'm going to get hounded if I'm incorrect, but I've listened to it the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's because the lead singer, Roger Daltrey, is not part of the song, hence a quick one while he's away. And yeah. all the other band members come up and have their moment. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure that's, that's really cool. I, listened to the other day. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong. Any The Who fans who are proper in there, please tell me. And please shout at me. Come and at us, at Podcast Horseman. Tell us how wrong we were. Anyway, more importantly, we need to go to Warblast Studios, Mike, in this one. And it's the Fire Flame meeting that Kelsey has when she's talking to the directors about what she thinks the film could be. You recall she has that amazing moment where she goes in, she kind of half agrees to do the film that she doesn't really want to do, and then goes back in to say, look, do it with me, and I'll, we'll get it right. And we get those two amazing juxtaposing elevator scenes which is in mm. where she's a sigh of relief uh, or sigh of disappointment in one of them and a sigh of yeah. relief uh, in the other but anyway I loved this quote from her when she's in the room talking about it just breaks it down wonderfully what we've been talking about women in Hollywood and women in the world in general for so long she says I mean the rules are different for women if you're a woman and you save the day nobody loves you people take you for granted or worse they resent you they try to punish you the more powerful you are, the more they'll try to take your power away, as we see repeatedly in this show. And I just can't help but think of the Princess Carolyn whenever I think of power and powerful women yeah. and how the bloody system try to keep her out of, away from it for so goddamn long. Mm. Anyway, episode nine, we are now at the second half of season six, and it's intermediate scene study with Bojack Horseman. Ah, oh, this is great because we get a moment where Bojack talk is talking at the beginning of the episode about he's sort of rehearsing, isn't he? Practicing for that first lecture that he's going to give. Yes. And he explains in something that will come back to haunt him, I would imagine. Uh, he explains acting is about leaving everything behind and becoming something completely new. Something he will soon find out mm -hmm. is not possible when you haven't yet paid the price for your <laughs> you stupid piece of shit. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we say it with love, Michael. We say it with love. Anyway, oh, yeah. Love. Of course, nothing but love. Episode 10, Good Damage. And a standout in the season. One of the best. Yeah. I keep. I have said that about so many episodes at this point, but Good Damage is probably one of the best from the second half of this show. Mm. Um, 
of this season, sorry. <clears throat> and uh, just a little cute on this. Although there's many great things to look at throughout the animation of this episode and what it, what it tackles in general, the thing I pulled from it, Michael, is the wonderful callback. Because the name on Diane's coffee cup when she's sitting in the mall is, of course, a callback to Diane's days working for Starbucks, uh, the ironic name, name tag that she used to have on her uniform back in Season 3, Episode 2, which is, of course, Blonde. A wonderful callback mm. on the coffee cup. Anybody who sees that, if you weren't paying attention, you probably missed it. But if you were paying attention, yeah. you've got the biggest, biggest pop going, ah, you're pointing at the, <laughs> pointing at the telly like Leonardo DiCaprio in bloody uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or Hollywood, I guess. Um, we go across to episode 11, though, sunk cost and all that. Um, and this is when we start to get the... It's really... Bojack is having to come to terms with what's going on. And you'll, mm. of course, remember, everybody is in the room looking at these whiteboards full to the brim. Whiteboards, blackboards... Literally every kind of board you can imagine in there that is just full at the brim of all these terrible things that Bojack's done. And all the terrible things I think that the people in the room have been privy to him doing as well. As yeah. Some of them we don't even know about at that point. And Diane explains what she thinks they should do when the phone call comes and it's should they own up or should they try and PR this? What should they do? She says, I think you should do the hard thing and be honest about everything. Things will get worse before they get better but you won't spend the rest of your life waiting for the other shoe to drop, which mm. is, of course, a wonderful quote in itself, but an even better quote when you think about how it ties back, given all the context we're talking about in an episode 11, ironically, we are talking about all of the worst things he's done in most of the other episode 11s, which yeah. is nice and neat, and all of the terrible things Bojack's done in general. She goes back and references the one moment from arguably the worst ever episode 11, that's too much man in season three, episode 11, where Bojack and uh, Sarah are on the bender. But of course, as you pointed out way back when, uh, the line on that hotel or motel bed, he and Sarah Lynn, when we get the death fake out and Bojack is only wearing one shoe, one of yeah. the straps, we are still waiting for the other one to drop. And sure enough, referenced there by Diane in this episode. This show, man, is just... Brilliant. I'm going to miss just it, magic. but I, I'm not going to miss it because I'll just watch it again. I just might <laughs> do a podcast on it again. I'm going to yeah. miss talking about this show. Again, I'm not going to start talking about it, but you know what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean. Episode 12, Xerox of a Xerox. <laughs> Brilliantly, as we've just discussed, Michael, Sad Dog, the meme of the century, I think it's mm. fair to say. Huge, massive, undefeatable. Who knows? Because if Bojack Horseman is to be believed, maybe it can be. Because he mentions in this episode, move over, sad dog, make room for remorse horse, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as you'll imagine, doesn't quite catch on. He says this in the middle of his big first week after having nailed the first interview. And by the second one, it's probably not going to be remorse horse. It's going to be, go to jail, horse, you piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> not as catchy I'll admit but more accurate I think it's fair to say also just a quick honourable mention for that episode you get the incredible board of comedians in the Laugh Shack in that episode where Bojack visits and we see all of the comedians oh, and yeah. the portraits on the wall really really great stuff um, we go from there to episode 13 the horny unicorn um, and <clears throat> given how the episode ends this one with Bojack reading the letter uh, from Hollyhock we see and we never ever get to find out what's said, obviously. It really is. I'll be honest, at a moment I wasn't super keen on when I first watched it, but as soon as I let wash over me why I was unhappy about that, it wasn't because 
it was the wrong choice. It was because I wanted the, just selfish curiosity, but a hundred percent the right call because you're not supposed to get the closure, and that's what he doesn't get, which is wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, but of course, it turns out that that letter is the letter that broke the horse's back, right? You know, it's the thing that ends up making Bo Bojack go back to the drink ultimately. Mm. Uh, certainly hinted at, and by the next episode, certainly we find out that he has indeed gone back to the drink. And you think of how important it is when we go back earlier in that episode and he's got the letter and he says, as long as I don't read it, she's still in my life. And how bloody right he was because he reads that letter and that is the last interaction we or he get with Hollyhock. The show. We move into season six, episode 14. Angela is titled because, of course, featuring heavily Angela Diaz, who was the woman who booted Herb off the show and is now trying to take the rights for all of the uh, horsing around content to just call it Around, if you recall correctly. Yeah. The horse from the course. And we get a wonderful flashback in this one when she is actually talking to Herb in the, well, way back when, I assume, in the 90s. Um, and Herb, when he's talking to her about, the, uh, about trying to, sh to sell horsing around to Disney because it's going so well, <laughs> says... Disney, you think Michael Eisner gives a hoot who I go to bed with? And Angela re responds to him saying, we don't need to bring Eisner into this. Obviously, Michael Eisner is a compassionate and progressive individual. <laughs> this isn't about him, she says, which sounds very, very flattering for a show that tends to have a go at as many people as it can, whether it's just for fun or whether it's a personal game. Yeah. Knows. But of course, this one is tied up. And as I did previously when I mentioned this in the episode four recap, I think I probably summarised this quite well, Michael, about Michael Eisner and the connection he has with the show by reading his Twitter bio, which, of course, says he is the owner of the Tournant Co., which owns Portsmouth Football Club, Bojack TV show, Undone TV show, Tuga and Bailey TV show, and Tops. And, of course, at the very end, saying, former Disney CEO. <laughs> Of course, ties it all together wonderfully. A nice little gag that I like yeah. in in references like that. Because Aye. of course he'll never probably say that, but it's still funny that the actors if he's watching over everything so intensely. Not that Disney are a bad organisation at all, of course. Um Portsmouth FC are though, so you know it levels Portsmouth out. FC. You can't be <laughs> FC these days, I see. They're not they're not <laughs> they always like them. Anyway, episode fifteen. That might be accurate. I don't know enough about Sunderland. Uh, episode <laughs> fifteen. The view from halfway down. Well, Michael, what else was it going to be? I can't do anything other in this episode than just to read back the wonderful, yeah. wonderful poem that was written. Mm. Uh, a bit of, bit of prose from um, Secretariat as he reads it on the episode for one last time on this show. Well, I'm sure maybe not, but one last time. <clears throat> the view from halfway down. The weak breeze whispers nothing. The water screams sublime. His feet shift teeter-totter. Deep breath, stand back, it's time. Toes untouched the overpass, soon he's waterbound. Eyes locked shut, but peek to see the view from halfway down. A little wind, a summer sun, a river rich and regal. A flood of fond endorphins brings a calm that knows no equal. You're flying now. You see things much more clear than from the ground. It's all okay. It would be, were you not now halfway down. Thrash to break from gravity, what now could slow the drop? All I give for toes to touch, the safety back at top. But this is it. The deed is done. Silence drowns the sound. Before I leaped, I should have seen the view from halfway down. I really should have thought about the view from halfway down. I wish I could have known about the view from halfway down. God damn it. Oh, man. All no the less powerful. All the awards. All the everything. 
Yeah. Amazing stuff. Incredible. I don't want to, I don't even want to go on about it. It's just good enough as it is. That's how good magic. it is. It was magic. And we move on to episode 16, the very last chance for this one. Uh, nice while it lasted, of course, is the episode. It bloody was as well. You're not wrong. And I just had to pick this one. We've mentioned it numerous times already in this podcast, and I'm going to mention it again because, Michael, what better way than Diane Nguyen saying, sometimes life's a bitch and then you keep living. Sometimes you finish a podcast and then you keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to give it up. You don't want to let go of the podcast. You and I are going to have to sit on a roof for at least an hour after this, just stare into oblivion. Um, smoking some tabs. <laughs> anyway, that's all of the hosted rounds for the season mm. six recap, Michael. It feels weird that, but that is it for season six. All of the best ones from the episodes, from all 16 episodes in that season. <sighs> it's going long. It's a season recap. Of course, it's going to go long. You've done a grand job chronicling all these seasons, and uh, that was like a fine array, like as well. I think I think it was I think we did it justice, but of course, just in case we didn't, Michael, there is still, believe it or not, now that we're not beholden to any sponsors, not that we ever were to begin with, of course. <laughs> doing this for money? <laughs> I don't think so. There is still time though for one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever, Michael. I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going <laughs> to let you go first because it's oh. why why even. Keep up the charade at this time. Charade, charade, charade. Just get on with it, will you? <laughs> what a gent. Right. My one last thing is a, a kind of a one last thing section. Seems I figured it was going to be the last Ooh. one, potentially about Bojack Horseman. We might have a bit of fun with this in the finale next week. But yeah, one last thing section. You uh, you brought up, of course, um, in your uh, horse and around section, the title of Diane's book. Um I'll repeat it again because it is quite fun to say the initials less so grand job by the way one last thing and i swear to god i'll shut up about this forever a definitive retrospective of the choices we make people we hurt and the places we go part one now obviously that title is very long and wide-ranging and she wants to cover everything and ultimately the tragic irony of it is that she doesn't even get the chance to shut up about this forever because she doesn't even get the chance to say it the book never gets written, or at least not in the timeline of Dan's life that we see. One hopes that maybe she'll do it in later life, but she didn't get to do it. That one last thing, she couldn't talk before she was shut up forever. Mm. Unlike two dickhead men from yeah. the northeast of England that every single week have been able to say their one last thing and have their final say and get it out of their system and wrap it all up. Another high five to all the fellas for getting as many, in inverted commas, last things as we in like, unlike poor Diane. And that so, is my one last thing before I shut up about this podcast forever. So what you're saying here in an incredible, incredible tie-in to another animal person in the form of Batman, Michael, is that <laughs> you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's happened. I can't believe it. I can't believe <laughs> the plot twist. We were the problem all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you know? <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, completely counterproductive to that. I'm going to give you my one last thing now. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean? my Look voice will be heard. 
My voice will be heard. <laughs> just get as many goals as we like. It's great, man. We just get to keep on doing it. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> anyway, my one last thing is less about completely exposing how shit this podcast is and how bad the hosts are who do it. <laughs> uh, being good men. <laughs> difficult men, you might call them. Indeed. Um, Mine is about a difficult horse, not Bojack though, the one who may be called Dr. Champ, but is in fact literally first name doctor, last name Champ, <laughs> because <laughs> he is not a doctor, he is a therapy horse, as we will mm-hmm. find out. But, Michael, whatever he might be titled, he's still very good at his job, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. and his job is even, whether he meant it or not, well he didn't, but of course RBW did, Foreshadowing the events of future tragedies for our hosts, because Bojack tells him everything, let's be honest, tells him absolutely everything. It will end up becoming his undoing later on in the show. But there's one point where Bojack is trying his best to stay in rehab, if you recall. He's trying his best. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't think he's ready to Mm. go. We continually is trying to tell Dr. Champ more stuff, and Dr. Champ is telling him he's heard it all before. We've been here before. And one of the massive notables that he mentions to Bojack is when Bojack is telling him about something, he starts telling him about something, at which point he says, you told me about that dream you keep having where you go to a dinner party. Yes. And he tells him about this in season six, episode five, Michael. And we would not get the payoff to that for another 10 episodes. We'd have to wait until, of course, we would get the view from halfway down where mm-hmm. we do indeed get the dinner party that Bojack finally goes to that's just great that it's is magic it. isn't it it's magic yeah it's smoking gun for you in season they've done this so many times how how many times will i i'm sure you go back to all these podcasts and hear me saying well he's pulled the wool over our eyes again everybody <laughs> that piece of shit genius Raphael bob waxberg has done it again he's hidden it all in plain sight and he's pulled the wool over our eyes once again as early as season six, episode five, telling you it might not be in episode 11, but it's the episode 15 you're never going to forget. Let me tell you that. Brilliant stuff, this. Really, really great. Oh, I'm going to miss telling you all how much I love this show. I really am. But I've been love this show. It's, <laughs> it's better to show you. Like, it really it is. is. It is. It's so goddamn good. Oh. Um, you know, in lieu of us saying any more about this season... Shall we throw it to some of the Twitter comments, questions, thoughts, feelings, remarks of some of the people got in touch with us way back in December? I do want to apologise if you um, threw your thoughts into the at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Uh, we do see all the tweets. I did put a thread out, but then obviously the delay that we had a little bit before Christmas um, meant that a couple of those might be missed. Feel free to send anything that doesn't get mentioned here. Again, we're going to have a, a wrap up of everything for the finale so we'll try and catch and sweep up any last comments and thoughts you've got but um as we always do on these recaps it's a sort of selection of the um ones received specifically about season six there will be general bojack thoughts and feelings and opportunity for that this week uh shall i get us going with our you first should. one and we'll just we'll, course, we'll cycle do. through these um, you may remember some of these um, names if you listen to the previous recaps. Thank you for the regular contributors and the people that just like to listen along. First one is from Edward Shiraz Hands, at Ed Shiraz Hands. Thank you always for your engagement, Edward. And um, he says, G'day, Legends. Uh, which episode is your favourite in the series? 
And which one do you think is the best? I believe the answer to both is view from halfway down. Also, do you think Bojack got what he deserved? I think we kind of covered that off in the Bojack recap. But um, favourites, I guess we've not hit like one specific more than hard either because we've just been labouring over how much we love them all. For me, my gut feeling for this season is um, good damage. Uh, like it's it's a Diane thing. I um, think that they have to they have to shine the brightest spotlight on Bojack in this season, and they have to be very careful with how much plot they give over to the other characters, especially in part two. Especially when you know you're hurtling towards the finale at quite a pace, and there's a lot to tie off and a lot to to figure out. And I just um, think that good damage is one of the better Diane depression. Yeah, uh, commentaries. I would say throughout the whole show, and it's just it's one of the subjects that needs the deftest touches, and I think they really nail it in that one. Fantastic stuff. And what would you, have you got? Have you got your what you think is the best? Is it the same, or is it the because your favourite and the best are two different things? I would probably go with um, Edward Schwarzhans. The view from halfway down is it, it's not the first time Bojack did it. It arguably wouldn't be the last because the finale is excellent, but you kind of are mastering the grand yeah. coming to terms with the futility of life message that so many films and TV shows have tried. I can't think of many that have done it as well as that. No, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. I will say the the best one in the in the, in the season uh, is the view from halfway down. I think uh, it's just that will it will stay with me forever. That episode of mm. television uh, in ways that. A lot of wouldn't. I would also say like a hat tip to Good Damage. I really do love that episode, and I love that Diane gets her version of BoJack's stupid piece of shit episode. I really mm-hmm. do. For me, though, I think I've mentioned it many times. It won't come as a surprise. A personal favorite, um, the subjective favorite for me is uh, the Face of Depression. I just love that mm-hmm. episode. I think it's it it gives you so many. It's that it's that we've talked about it numerous times. That filmic Hollywood cinematic quality to like a the narrative where it's the 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 character is going off and doing these things that are tying up these loose ends and making everything feel lovely. And I yes, all right, it's not how the show ends and it shouldn't be how the show ends, but I love that yeah. they give it to you. I love that they give you these changes. There's just something really great about that episode and I really across the board for all of the characters, something yeah amazing happens and something great happens and the seeds are planted for nice things. And that is not it's such a collector's item that episode mm. in that in that sense. That's why I've always loved it because it shows you that there are good things happening. They just have to happen in a specific order, and I love that they give you that because that shouldn't have been the last episode of the show. That's not how it should have ended. It's just yeah. nice that they gave you that, knowing full well you were going to have to get a lot to struggle through before you got to the actual finale. So that would be my answer for that one. Uh, we move on to the next question though, which is from a regular contributor jimmy blade thank you for your continuous comments mm-hmm. your wonderful statuses that often retweet uh, the episodes on a weekly basis um jimmy says not a query so much as a thank you uh, he said i'd never considered bojack horseman before the boys started trumpeting on what culture podcasts and i'm 100 percent glad you did but okay he says what's your favorite tongue twister in a little twist of its own funnily enough uh, before at the end, he also mentions, uh, okay, the Bojack paradox. If it's better than the thing you like, but Bojack is the thing you like, <laughs> is Bojack better than the thing you like? And I mean, 
I think that's the tongue twister. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think he's provided an answer. I can't believe you've given me the favourite tongue twister as well, Jimmy. <laughs> You're doing the job for me here, friend. Unbelievable stuff. All right, then. If it's better than the thing you like, but Bojack is the thing you like, is Bojack better than the thing you like? <laughs> I'm going to say yes, right? Because it can't be worse. It simply Ooh, can't be. Good answer. Yeah. To try and top that, Michael Hamlet. <laughs> well, like, I can't touch that for an answer. And to be honest, I saw this flash up and the tongue twister one. I thought, well, Adam Nicholas has destroyed these in your horse and round recap. That's, that's were, very accurate. <laughs> you were, <laughs> you were given the punishing task of nailing these tongue twisters and you've done a great job. I was given only really, me as well, which is the worst yeah, part. Yeah. Self-inflicted. Only really once did I step into the breach and it wasn't even a Princess Carolyn grade tongue twister. Mm -hmm. But I just developed such a deep affection for... <clears throat> oh, hello. Oh, hello. Yeah, come on, you can do this. I should have put a cheat sheet in front of me. You should have put a cheat sheet in front of you. Hollywood stars and celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Yes, and now is the time where I would usually ask you to give me the abbreviation for it, but I don't think he's got, <laughs> I don't think he's got it to hand, ladies and gentlemen. So oh, no, I understand it. that it was lost in the post-production of oh, this podcast to an edit. Oh, no, yeah. This is the part where you just hear the voice come in that says, H... <laughs> <laughs> one by one does the letters Microsoft Sam comes in to do the rest of it <laughs> uh, do you know what it is Jimmy there's so many tongue twisters it's hard to remember them off the top of my head quite honestly uh, Oh, that the, the one that was mentioned in this episode is a good one that's a, obviously a cop out answer because it's there if I think of a better one I will tweet it to you I think that's the best I can do because mm. there's just so many and they are so wordy. What's a good one that's in there? Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's just literally too many. That's just way too many. If only, Michael, we'd had time to read these questions properly before the podcast and pull out some And you've nailed how to circumvent the problem of a tongue twister because you can tweet me your favourite one I'm, and then not suffer the consequences of actually I'm having to say my own tongue. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you've, you've twisted my brain, Jimmy, with that. Congratulations. <laughs> that's what I'll say. The uh, the next tweet comes in from Nathaniel Arnold at the only Bezo on Twitter. Um, again, I think we've seen you come up. I believe you're in our Hollywood talk of fame. Thank you, Nathaniel, for your engagement. Um, he says it's time to ask the real question. This is a beauty. I put this to you, Adam Nicholas. Um, okay. Curious as thoughts on this. Did Judah deliberately set Princess Carolyn up on three awful blind dates just so that he could make her realise that he was the one for her? And he ends this, he leaves the gap to just add some real punch and profundity to this. Yeah. No, no man is that perfect. <laughs> good. We got a good, like, we got a good myth to ship. We've, like we've got, we do, we really do. I would like to, to preface this in a different way, Mike. Mm-hmm. I am not going to approach this from Judah Manadog the man, okay? Because I feel okay. like I feel like that may well be true. What Nathaniel says there may well be true. We'll never truly know. What I will say is, though, did he do his job right is the question you've got to ask yourself. And I think he did. Because his job was to get Princess Carolyn three dates, which she may have been joking about, and he took it very literally. <laughs> <laughs> But he did get us three dates. And 
he did did technically end up resulting in the Ralph Stilton one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, all right, ultimately didn't turn out to be the right guy. Had some issues of his own going on there, but 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 he did understand the assignment. And if in his own head, Michael, his job was to put Princess Carolyn on three bad dates. Now that's a loophole. I get it. But it still tells me that Judah Manadog's really fucking good at his job. He really is. And no, I don't think I've got an hand actually. I think I was just going to try and defend him more. <laughs> so are you suggesting to so you're answering both questions in a sense there? Because not only are you addressing the three bad dates, but you are saying yes, he is the perfect man. And I concur. I concur with all of that. Yeah. No man can be that perfect. I just don't well, think he's Nigeria yet. I think that's all let, it is. Let me explain why he is that perfect. And I'm taking a punt here on my memory, and I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But here's something I don't think I've ever mentioned on the podcast, because we I saw it and was like, I can't mention this, and I wish I could all those episodes ago. The reason you can you can find out that the universe is telling you that Judah Manadog is that perfect, Michael, is because mm-hmm. after all these failed dates, if I'm not mistaken, Judah and Princess Carolyn are in the office together, right? Way mm-hmm. back when. And they're just doing some work together, I think, or something. And in the background, you see a shoot, what appears to be the shooting star going past in yeah. the night sky. And it's just a little sign, isn't it? One I never picked up on on the first watch through, maybe not even the second watch, maybe it was this watch through that I caught it. But when it all goes wrong, he's still. He's still done the job right, and she's still happy he did it. And she's like, should we just carry on doing some work together? And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. The little shooting star goes by in the top. Now, is it, I can't remember if it's something different, like something crashing to the ground, is it? I don't know what it is, but it looks like a shooting star, and it goes by. Yeah. That, to me, says, Judas perfect, because it's the right perfect moment. He couldn't have planned it. Or maybe he did. Who knows? Who knows? I, I, th- I, think we've, I think we've kind of covered off our our shared adoration for Judah. Yeah, basically, we love Judah. Much we love Judah. <laughs> so, in a way, we've sort of taken this tweet as somebody coming for him and we've put up the walls. We love Judah. And you know what it is, Nathaniel? There are many people in this world who will tell you that they're not like the others and they are lying. Uh, these men <laughs> these men are like the others and they are big, fat lies. If Judah told me he was not like the others, I would believe him, is what I'm saying. Yeah, me too. That's, that's the note I'm going to end on with that one. Now, we go across to our next, I would call it a question, but it's not a question so much as a brilliant comment, Michael, um, mm-hmm. from Nerd13, who says, and I'm going to read this as is, mm-hmm. because I, and I'm going to tell you why, but who just left us the comment and said, this shoe is brilliant. You could say it's better than the show you like. <laughs> now, I don't, mind either way if this was meant as this show is brilliant yeah but what i'm going to do for you here nerd 13 is say that you already were ahead of the curve because you knew ah yes that this shoe is brilliant and he's talking michael of course about the other shoe that drops later on very good nerd 13 i like that they were so ahead of the time they knew what they were doing they were on the ball they were talking about it and they've absolutely smashed it that's my personal take on it and i think you're right you could say it's better than the show you like. Some people would. Other people would ask you if it's better than the show you like. And Bojack is the show you like. Then is it still better than the show you like? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's not it out. I like all that. We, uh, there's nothing for you to reply to there. Just, just a nice comment. It, well, no, we appreciate those as well. Um, which we've got actually from uh, Coleman, Aaron, at Aaron Coleman 95 on Twitter. I just want to say, Aaron, um, we appreciate you leaving some remarks on Bojack as a whole. We will try and get to them next week in our um, podcast finale. This is uh, the one specific to uh, season six, but thank you for all your tweets. It says, uh, well, gentlemen, for one last time before I shut up about this question forever, Coleman's, uh, Aaron Coleman's been with us for all the season recaps. Favourite gag or one-liner? And he says, mine is quick and simple. Todd moving into his new apartment, dropping his bag and saying, well, I'm all moved in. It's a throwaway line, but it gets a laugh out of me. Um, again, I don't know if it's going to be the same as the tongue twister. It is your task every week to dive into so many of these lines. I'll uh, I'll give you a bit of thinking time to not mm. put you on the spot quite so much or uh, sort of consult that mind palace of yours because mine like one did spring to mind for me here and again I think I, feel like, I think one may spring to my mind that might be the same one but carry on well I don't know right because I I feel like as we kind of hurtle towards the end of this podcast I am just becoming a complete narcissist in very much the same way that a one last thing was dedicated to us I also felt. Um, I don't want to say attacked, but I just thought there was a real irony to this line that I think popped us both in the very last episode of Bojack Horseman, in one of the very last scenes of Bojack Horseman, when Todd is um, going deep on the hokey pokey, yes. when he thinks he's figured out life, and he uh, he believes that it's... Uh, the, the, the shape of the lyrics obviously lands on... Uh, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around and, and that's what it's all about. And he believes the turning yourself around is life and that's what it's all about. And Bojack has a moment, I guess, to think about this and then replies, I don't know if the songwriters put that much thought into the existential significance <laughs> of the lyrics. And we had to review that when we have put existential thought into every moment of this show. <laughs> <laughs> for six I, seasons I think they were onto us somehow at this point <laughs> <weren't> they? <laughs> this episode this line was watched by me and you on January the 31st 2020 when at the same time an episode that dealt with the existential significance of every detail began life wherever you get your podcasts and uh, it might not be a quip or a witticism but it's a one-liner from the very first time I watched this for review purposes, stuck out like the sorest of sore thumbs. Yeah, that's, it's a good one. It's a real good one. There are many times we've done this where I felt like we got attacked. Like, <laughs> they, they knew what we were up to and they just made us feel it. Like, when uh, there was that one where the little animal pops down with a T-shirt that says, stop pausing the show and just yeah. watch it. <laughs> I felt really underappreciated that day, I'm not going to lie to you. Nice. Um, I think the one I'm going to choose for this is purely based on significance. Maybe it's a cop out this one, but I know you and I certainly got a lot of mileage out of this one. Um, and I've got another one to mention as an honourable thing. Mm -hmm. Just the sheer amount of different versions and different moments and different meanings that they get out of the phrase, what are you doing here in this show? Mm -hmm. Particularly in season two, but it does carry on. Uh, and we see sort of tremors of it, whether it comes from Bojack or other characters or whatever. 
of course, the hilarious moment is initially him trying to deliver it and he just can't say it because he's a very bad actor in that day and he's doing Secretariat. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. But they managed to get all of the emotions out of it, like like hilarity, genuine just stupidity. Then you get like mm. like this deep meaning to it when he's just like really upset. You get anger out of it. You get all sorts out of it. It's, really, it's such a versatile thing to do with that line. It's probably not the one that's made me laugh out loud the most, but it's one that certainly is like an anchor point, I think, for the show in in a lot of different ways. One little gag I want to give a nod to that I guess technically isn't part of the show, but it is because it's in the Christmas special. I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, It's it's just the gag where they pull out from the, the daft episode of Horsing Around. Todd and Bojack are sitting on a bed watching this episode and they break the wall <laughs> of horsing around to cut quickly to Bojack, who is normally the one person who's like nudging Todd saying, like, you get that line, man, it's so funny. And it just cuts to him with the most completely <laughs> believing look on his face saying, huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Just... He doesn't get what's going on in the show. He's so confused. <laughs> show that he's seen so many times. It's indescribably funny. You and I were both completely and utterly undone by that. It was so funny. I was, tr- I was trying to remember the line. Might it have been, I've heard of lucky, lucky, but don't take the cookie. But this is this ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it just cuts back to him and he's just uh, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> The animation's so subtle, but it's perfect. It really is a good one. There are tons, of course, but those are the ones that initially come to mind for us both. Um, We go to Christopher Mora next, Mm. uh, who, for regular listeners of this podcast, and to you and I, Michael, has provided a brilliant breakdown for every season of his rankings Mm. of the episodes uh, for each season. Of course, this is no exception, and he sends us the message which I guess is really out there now, but he was kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah, he says, next week. Well, maybe. It might be next next week. I have things to do, but the time has come for me to reveal the list. Anyways, mm. as far as questions for this recap goes, he says, what is the biggest critique you have for BoJack Horseman as a series, or is it actually perfect? And then, of course, we have the list, the full list of his episodes ranked from worst to best. I don't know if he wants a job at what culture or not, but he's certainly going the right way about it. <laughs> um, I will read the list first, Michael, and then I'll okay. let you answer that. I'll give you a bit of time. Just to remind you of that question, uh, what is the biggest critique you have for BoJack Horseman as a series, or is it actually perfect? Meanwhile, season six, as ranked by Christopher Mora. Thank you for doing this, Christopher. We love it when you do these. He ranks from top to bottom. Uh, we get, no, I'll go from bottom to top, actually. Let me, at number okay. 16, the kidney stays in the picture with a B minus. Uh, number 15, the horny unicorn, B minus. Number six, no, number 14, good damage, B minus. Ooh, ooh, I love how, I love how like the 14th best episode is B minus. Is a B minus. What standards are dealing with it? Number 13, the face of depression, B. <laughs> number 12, <clears throat> number 12, a horse walks into rehab, B. Number 11, Xerox of a Xerox, B+. Plus. Number 10, A Little Uneven is All, B+. Plus. Number 9, Angela, B+. Plus. Number 8, Surprise, A-. minus. Number 7, Feel Good Story, A-. minus. Number 6, Intermediate Scene Study with Bojack Horseman, A-. minus. 
Number five, a quick one while he's away, A. Number four, the new client, A. Mm. Number three, sunk cost and all that, A. Number two, the view from halfway down, A+. Plus. Wow. And number one, nice while it lasted, A+. Uh, plus. Yeah. There you go, Michael Harper, to digest those. I mean, I love, I love these lists and I love, I love, I will say this, I love having your versions of it and I love looking and going, mine are different to this, but that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's the best part about this show because there are so many good episodes in so many different ways. Come on then. And an A plus season and series finale yeah. is yeah. super successful yeah. as well, isn't it? Of course. It is. I, I like. I was really worried about coming up with the wrong kind of critique. I was worried that the kind of critique was, you know, those like interviews, uh, answers in a job interview, where yes. like he said, hmm, "Yeah, my faults." Well, if anything, I work too hard. You know, uh, the critique <laughs> ends up being just yeah. like, it's actually you know, a compliment. Shouting, yeah, yeah, like more praise on it. I, there is something, and I, I feel despite all of these podcasts, we have not quite ever figured it out and i hope this podcast is an is an aid to people that also can't figure it out about how there is never one singular point that you can guarantee will get people on the hook for bojack horseman mm. to me that's not a specific criticism because i just want people no. to go from the start and like swim through what they might seem as like slightly sludgy waters earlier on and then you know mm. get to the vast blue ocean that is the rest of the show but yeah I've talked about the show. I've talked about this podcast with friends, you know, with family, with whatever. And obviously we do this podcast. And one of the purposes was maybe if, you know, people find the show through the podcast, which we get these comments of every now and then. And that's amazing. But yeah, it's, I feel like sometimes in the, the other classics, the other iconic shows that you love, there might be a singular episode that you can recommend to somebody. There I go. I've done it anyway. Bojack is so good that it is simply doing other episodes down to land on a, a point mm. like that. Um, they weren't writing for that kind of moment, that kind of yep. audience. You know, it was never the intent. So it would be cruel to say that thing you weren't trying to do. You didn't do it. But strictly as a viewer and somebody that would love to share the Bojack conversations with as many people as possible, that's always proven particularly tricky. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think one critique you could give it certainly is it's a critique, but again, it's the double-edged sword of if it was, if it succeeded in this area, it would probably have not been as effective in other areas. And the critique would, mm. of course, be that not many, or feels like not more people know about the show that should know about the show. And it feels like it perhaps didn't grip the mainstream the way mm. that you would want this show to, but it can't do that. I feel like you have to understand that, like, for to tackle the things it tackles, it is not a mainstream show it's never going to be a mainstream show it's a hard sell to people as that's kind of why we also started this podcast as we've said many times and i still have friends i try to tell about just watch this one episode about the talking horse the cartoon talking horse and i've already lost them i know i have um so it'd be harsh to critique them on that because you know i guess the audience is there they found mm -hmm. the audience and it's massive anyway but it's I guess you the critique there could be maybe you didn't make a mainstream audience, perhaps. Is that is that was that even a good one? Yeah. I guess my own personal critique would be, Michael, and this is, you know, what I think is the real downfall of this show, is that there's not more episodes of this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, good one. No, yeah. And yet I also think 
maybe there doesn't need to be because they kind of nailed the ending so perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen, there was once a show called Community that said six seasons in a movie, right? Never happened. There's a show called Bojack Horseman that's better than a show you like, and we've got six seasons. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, there was once a point... the job. There was once a point where Will Arnett was whispering about perhaps something was happening. Nothing came to fruition, funnily enough. Yeah. No. Uh, Got shot down in flames by a lot of people. That <laughs> I'm sure, including Raphael Bombaxberg as well. Yeah, maybe. But, but hey, who knows? Maybe one day. Maybe one day that won't even be a critique. Uh, we move on to our next one from the list of people, and we have Cat Dixon, uh, regularly floating around on our statuses and posts and stuff. Says, "You guys never discussed this throwaway line from Mister Peanut Butter." given during Diane and his rehearsal dinner at Bojack's restaurant. It was winter in Prague, and the consumption hung low in the air. Ah, yes, I remember this. Uh, I searched and searched to find if this line came from somewhere. Finally, I gave up. And, she says, I wrote a poem playing with the phrase. Now, Kat has brilliantly left a link on uh, with her comment to go and actually, you can go and read a poem that she wrote all about that phrase, which I just think is a brilliant idea to do with this. Mm. I remember this this line. I'm pretty sure when I was doing this episode, I remember having the feeling of, what is this? And much like you, Kat, I looked and looked and looked and could not find <laughs> anything about this one. So I imagine back then I might have just just politely swerved it and not said anything. Because it turns <laughs> out, if you do a podcast where you review podcast horsemen, you'll find out that actually we are hacks. It's funny. That. Um but my suggestion would be to everybody, please do go and give that a read. It's great. Me and Michael have both read it. We loved it. Go on there. Have a look. Uh, what we'll do is, Kat, we will, once we are putting this episode out, which is right now. <laughs> because it's, it's live. Because it's live, everyone. Uh, well, when this episode is live, we will also retweet your the post in yes. the poem. So people can find the link on the Podcast Horseman page, at Podcast Horseman on Twitter. And you can go and dive into that. We love this. This is what's great about this show. It inspires people to do other stuff. But just, I just love stuff like that. Anyway, even if it wasn't this show, I love people getting creative. Always better to have a go of being creative, I think. And I love that. Big, big oh, fan. Yeah, is, that as you say, is that everything or is that? We have a couple more left, um, but they are they are not questions. They are merely comments. Um, but oh, nice. Very- yeah, very nice to get to them anyway. There's one um, from Do It, or it could be uh, Do or Dot. I'm not sure exactly the pronunciation. Um, the It's at Dorith G. Um, thank you for getting in touch with us. Um, they've said, with every rewatch of the show, I relate to a different character. It's taught me that nothing about your personality is set in stone. You can change and be better. There's no good or bad guys. We're all just guys doing good and bad stuff sometimes. Uh, this is particularly a, a nice way to end on this one, at least, as well. Thank you for being the best and most in-depth BoJack podcast out there. Lads, it was really nice. It really was nice while it, was it lasted. While it lasted. Appreciate that. Um, thank you very much for that. That's uh, very kind of you to say that. We've um, you know, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna swim in our own shit, as it were, in the uh, in the podcast horseman finale next week. Um, so we will be uh, we get into sort of uh, our own sort of experiences of doing the podcast, things that worked, things that didn't. Um, so we'll be getting into more of that. For anybody that does have an interest, I guess, in the podcast at large, um there will be plenty of that to look forward to. A few little surprises, a few little Easter eggs, a few little daft, silly things, and our own, I guess, personal experiences and thoughts from doing this. Um, but I wanted to end this uh, uh, section of feedback, and I guess the season six ending of feedback, the BoJack feedback, 
on just one of the most incredible things we've ever received in terms of feedback for the podcast. Um, it was in the thread. It was in the, obviously, we ask for thoughts and opinions on the season. And we had something from a Twitter account at S Stara, uh, black and introverted. Um, and it's just a, a series of threads um, from this uh, Twitter account. And it just all warrants a way. Well, it warrants reading, but it warrants as a way to end this season and indeed this show. So I'll just I'll start from the beginning and I'll read through the thread. Okay. So when Bojack premiered, I myself was going through my own addictions, but I hadn't realized the negative effects that had enveloped in my life. I liked the show and I would watch the new seasons every year they came out. Right after the third season finished, I had my downfall. I was arrested. My wife left me. I lost my job and I contemplated suicide that same week. Luckily, through the will of God, I decided against it and slowly started to try and put my life back together. I was able to talk with my wife on the agreement that I would attend therapy. I was able to find another job and also started marriage therapy as well. A few months later, I was given five years probation that included group therapy as well. To say this was a difficult time for me was an understatement. Like Bojack, I developed my own way of thinking slash survival due to trauma received by my mother. I didn't care about anyone else. I just wanted to be safe and protect myself. I constantly pushed people away because I was afraid of getting attached and then being abandoned. After three and a half years of personal and group therapy, I was granted early termination from probation. Through this whole time, I kept up with Bojack. It was surreal to watch a character so similar to me go through the same metamorphosis. The last season premiered just as I finished therapy. I think in a strange way, this show helped me change and saved my life. Just like Bojack, I shudder when I think about the person I was so many years ago. Anyway, that's the short version of my story. I just discovered you guys' podcast, and I absolutely love it. Keep spreading the gospel of Bojack. I feel it's a show that will be a cult classic years from now. P.S. Me and the wife celebrated 10 years married this year. Bojack saves. I mean, I'm getting emotional reading it again, as I did mm. the first time I did. At Estara, black and introverted on Twitter. That whole thread is there in our season six wrap-up tweet. If you want to go read it for yourself and take some time with it, as we both have, as this was posted back in December. Genuinely looking forward to sharing this, as so incredibly grateful that you shared this story with us. Um, you know, like we talked in depth about the addictions that Bojack's go through. And the things I guess it has taught us maybe about addictions, the ones we're perhaps less familiar with, the ones that we've got experience of. Um, just a remarkable first-person account. More valuable than our takes and our analysis when mm. somebody is so willing to share and be so open like this. Um, this is not a compliment to our podcast, is it? It's a compliment to Bojack Horseman and a richly deserved one as well. So appreciative of your openness and your honesty. Thank you very much for listening um, and for sharing. And, you know, I've been glad, as I'm sure you have, Nicholas, that Bojack's been there for me. And it's incredible to see how it's been there for other people too. That's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, that the amount of stuff it has given other people in this department is just immeasurable, I think. Like... The thing we often say is it's you kind of hope that it's given people a it's given them a language and given them a, something to point at to help like show the relatable nature of their own life. You know what I, I think? That's mm. we don't often want to say that it just gives people the the, the guide or the handbook to life because it's not that simple, obviously. But oftentimes this show asks questions of you, or it will provide you with a good visual descriptor for a scenario in your life that you may not have been able to come up with 
or to describe a way you're feeling or to describe a pattern of behavior or anything. I just wish more people knew that that was within this show. That's the thing that always frustrates me the most. I think yeah. uh, when I watched this for the first time, it was just mind blowing how many times it felt like someone was just pointing at you, whether you, whether it felt uncomfortable or not, whether it felt like it was relatable, whether it felt like, oh my God, lower your voice, God damn it. <laughs> um, it happened so many times when I'm watching this show and I yeah. genuinely feel like a better person for having seen it. And I love to hear that it's done the same for other people. That's an amazing story. And I'm really, really glad you wanted to share that with us. Cause, and I will point out, this is not, um, obviously this has come with the, the thread, hence the reason it has made it into the, podcast but we do i just feel that it's important to say at this point all the people who have sent us very similar stories or uh, takes on various different topics that happen in this show yeah we've read all your messages that are in the dms uh, we kind of had a policy when we first started that we always read them but we knew we wouldn't have time to read them all out so to speak mm-hmm. um but they have been read you have all been seen uh and we love that people feel like they can share that with us because oh yeah that's the whole point, man. I think that's the whole point of this show. Certainly, again, it, our podcast isn't is got nothing to do with it. It's all to do with BoJack Horseman. Uh, but I love that it gives people that feeling of wanting to be open, that feeling of wanting mm-hmm. to talk about mental health, that feeling of wanting to talk about recovery, rehab, relapse, whatever it might be. It, it, all of these things. We've had so many messages over this time we've done this podcast, and genuinely, the two of us sat there like on the verge of tears sometimes reading some of these. Yeah. Just. They're so emotional and so moving. And I love that this show has managed to connect with so many different people, but for so many different things, which I'm not sure yeah. many shows can kind of claim to the way that Bojack does. My critique, Michael, is that there aren't more episodes. That's my critique. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> because we need more, because we all love this show, even though it does put us through our paces, as good television mm. should. But yeah, amazing story to share with us. Really, really appreciate that one. And that's... Well, there was no more fitting a way to wrap up the feedback mm. for season six. And indeed, season six of Bojack Horseman and season six of Podcast Horseman. My good Lord. Um, I think the reason this episode's gone so long is because we both are in denial that we are worried oh, yeah. about, about yeah. it all being over now. Um, however, of course, normally at this point, we would sort of lead in and start plugging the podcast. Don't worry, we're going to get there. We will do that. <laughs> Um, because we would be hacks if we didn't. But of course, this isn't the last episode. Uh, yeah. This is the penultimate episode of our podcast. And as Michael's touched on before, and I think we have in previous podcasts as well, there is going to be one grand finale episode, the one last episode of Podcast Horseman, where we are going to mix in a whole different bunch of stuff, whether it's coming from us about the show and our thoughts on the whole thing from top to bottom, or maybe whether they come from you, as you may hmm. or may not recall. We did the call out for a bunch of people's one last things. We got them. We have them. They will be being included in next week's episode. Um, we selected our top 10 from the amount that came in. Uh, there were some great ones. But of course, as you're seeing here, we're already running long on this one. God only knows yeah. how long the next oh, one's yeah. going to be. Um, but we are very excited about that. There's a ton of stuff. Michael might have some more for you about this. But as it stands, it's not over quite yet but it will be over next week. Good Lord, that sounds terrifying. Anything else to add to that before we start plugging things? 
Well, just that it's going to be, yeah, it's it's going to be a mix of everything, as you say, and I think it's going to be freewheeling, and won't that be to the detriment of people's phones and the space that they've got in their storage yeah. capacity, because our constant denial will surely suddenly be triggering the synapses to come up with one last thing to keep talking about to keep this yeah. one going. It's going to be a nice... We're doing one more episode. <laughs> um... Carl Weathers would love this episode because you can make a real stew out of what we've got planned for next week's episode. It's just all going to get thrown in the pot. We'll get it all out while we still can. Um, as as Nicholas has alluded to, stuff from you guys, a bit of stuff from us, but uh, behind the scenes podcast bits rather than just mm. all being Bojack centric. Yeah. We'll just hoi it all out there before it's all gone forever. So yes, it'll be a nice one. It'll be a, a a nice way to say goodbye in line with the Bojack finale rather than an episode eleven farewell. <laughs> We must remember that this is not our horse podcast therapist. This is our therapy podcast horse, which we're going to use. We're going to use to get us through this tough time that is the separation of ourselves from Mm. the TV show and ultimately doing our final episode of Podcast Horseman. It's going to be a wild ride. It really is. Uh, And we can use it essentially as... It's going to be when Bojack writes all the bad things he ever did on that whiteboard. You and I are going to be like a confessional about the podcast. <laughs> We're going to jail, Michael. It's going to jail. <laughs> oh, wonderful stuff. I'm very excited about it. I'm going to be very sad when it's all over. Mm. But I am looking forward to that one. As Michael said, everything and anything we can about the podcast that we just wanted to round up and tie off, we're going to do it in the next episode. Until that time, though, if you have enjoyed this super long episode of Podcast Horseman and indeed this season six recap of Bojack Horseman, then please do give us a follow at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. We appreciate all of you who have done so. And of course, remember, for what, two more episodes, I guess, well, one and one more episode, but this one included, uh, Follow Friday is still in play where Adam Nicholas strangely and creepily <laughs> follows you on Instagram if you have liked his <laughs> picture or on Twitter if you've interacted with him at all looking forward to the last 300,000 people that'll be <laughs> um, but also you can follow either of your hosts if you'd like to you can follow me at it's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet you can get Podcast Horseman while you still can on Apple Podcasts where we invite you to follow or subscribe on Spotify where you can follow um, on Amazon through Audible or through Wait. their ordering system I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for a second here because mm-hmm. We said we were going to do this, but we've been out of commission for so long. Spotify now let you do five-star reviews, just as we're ending our goddamn podcast. I mean, you've got a week to fling a five-star review on there, get yourself in the Hollywood talk of fame, and fool a few more algorithms. Never before have Spotify been in this game, but they are there now at the death. You know... But we keep saying this is the end of Podcast Horseman. The great thing about a podcast is it has a chance to live on forever. And if you've left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but never on Spotify, stick it on there. And it'll keep what are you running. doing? <laughs> <What> <laughs> after, long after there's no new episodes, just re-rank the old ones. That'll be can't great believe, for everybody. Can't believe Spotify tried to steal the villainous spotlight from Amazon at the death of our podcast. Oh, like, hey, no, by the way, you can now do five-star reviews on here after... Six seasons, you piece of trash. All along, 
here's me having a go at Amazon for not treating the staff well enough. I should have been on Spotify for not paying the artists well enough. Ah, you yeah. get your five star reviews, but it's not point not 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 one p a stream. It's not uh, in on Spotify. Still, it's really good. So I like, get your podcast there if you want to. Pretty that. much anywhere you get podcasts, you can get podcast horsemen, including on the Acast link, which we will put up every Friday. Well, the last two Fridays on the podcast horsemen Twitter feed. Um, you can stream it through there. You can subscribe. You can download all that good stuff. Um, and on any of the apps, which now of course include Spotify, where you can leave us a review. We would encourage you to do that which for the final time on a traditional episode of podcast horseman lack 95 did thank you for your five star review like now i'm going to save the title of this till the very end because we get the review first the review says i just finished my second watch through of the series and i'm so glad i found this thank you very much lack 95 for that because that's what this is all about we love our tv and then we love finding podcasts you get to talk about our tv we didn't think there were enough people talking themselves horse about the talking horse so we wanted to fill that gap there might be a few more kicking around now maybe they'll get a mention next week's show but more on that next week but the title of this bit of feedback which is quite nice i have tried to go through these chronologically so that i promise you this was not a uh kind of this wasn't a gimmick for the title but it wasn't random yeah but succinct brilliant and a way to close this off bojack podcast question mark hooray i mean our feelings exactly from beginning through to soul-crushing end, that is all we ever <laughs> wanted to be for people. Thank that you very is... much, Black 95. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame coming to ATU very soon. Yes, it will be. And I have to realise now that we've talked the talk for so long, but <laughs> Adam Nicholas is now going to have to make 100 stars on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. <laughs> Oh, brother. Adam Nicholas why, is going to have to show you, a very why old man how to again. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me why we're doing one more. You sure you don't want to end it now, Michael? You definitely don't want to just... <laughs> No, everybody will be getting one. Everybody gets a star. I promise. I made a promise and I'm going to oh, I'm going to stick by it. <laughs> Even if it kills me. Um well, right, I, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's everything, right? That's That is it. We are sorry it's gone long, but what the hell did you expect? Season 6 yeah. recap was always going to be longer. Than usual. I just for the I just want to give you all the transparency that to know that we started this. I like to I like telling you this when it happens because I want you to know the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into it. <laughs> this started on Wednesday and it's now Thursday. This is how yeah. this record has happened. Thursday, Michael. Hey, what a concept for a goddamn podcast. For <sighs> those that for those that know, I'm about to make a bowl of cereal and light the fuse. That's how yes, late this podcast has gone. That's how late. And you know what it is for those that don't know. Go to bed. What are you doing? Yeah, you've made better bed. life choices. <laughs> better choices. Anyway, this has been the penultimate episode of Podcast Horseman, the final episode, or final season recap of BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find out what happens for one last time, ladies and gentlemen, one last time, you can join us on next week's episode of Podcast Horseman, where we tell all and do all <laughs> and fill all that we possibly could dream of to do with this horse and get out of our systems before we spend 2022 crying our little eyes out. Anyway, until that time, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.